The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Critically Acclaimed, where nothing explodes. Okay. For once, nothing explodes. Usually (laughs) something explodes at the beginning of our podcast. It's a joke. It's a gag. It's a a riff. Can we get some sort of like a little musical fanfare? Fine. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, this is a very special bonus episode in which I, film critic William Bibiani, everybody calls me Bibbs, and my co-host Whitney. Hello, I'm Whitney Seibold. Nobody calls him Bibbs. No, nobody uh, calls me Bibbs. The Oscars are upon us, and um, you know we don't take the Oscars too seriously as, a, as an endeavor. They're fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. They're a way of marking Hollywood history. We have a podcast on our Patreon page dedicated to watching every Best Picture nominee ever because so many have been sort of lost to history and nobody talks about them anymore. But um, mostly in the, in the, in the day, mm-hmm. they're good fun. They're, they're, they're just good fun. Yeah, except uh, when they're it's... really shitty and annoying and we complain about them constantly it's... because there actually is like a lot wrapped up in them, but it, they don't mean a lot to like art. It's one of, one of those things you know? that, that I like, I, I care about, but also don't care about. Uh, yeah. I, I've said for many, many years that they are no serious gauge of the actual mm. uh, quality of a year's releases. Yep. Uh, they they are pretty heavily wrapped up in po- uh, just sort of uh, advertising and politicking. And, and politicking. It's a popularity uh, contest. Publicity. It it's all yeah. publicity. And, uh, yeah. you know, the idea... Uh, if you win an Academy Award and you were not previously known mm-hmm. or like, nominated for an Academy Award, mm-hmm. that's a good way to get exposure. That can be great for your career. I, I remember um, that happened with uh, Tom Moore, the Irish animator. Yeah. Uh, he made a film called uh, The Book of Kells mm-hmm. uh, back in 2009. Around there, there. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and uh, really put him on the map. Yeah, and yeah. nobody had heard of this guy prior to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, people had. But, uh, the in, movie had come out, United but it was St- considered yeah, the, kind of a dark horse, and it wasn't really yeah, in the well United seen. In the United States, it wasn't really widely seen, but the nomination got it a lot of attention, yeah. and a lot more theatrical uh, distribution. Yeah, there are good things that happen at the Academy Awards. I, I think at their best. Mm. The Academy Awards call attention to movies that a lot of people watching the Academy Awards. Hadn't seen, and in some cases mm. hadn't even heard of. Well, when I was younger, and I would watch the Academy Awards, and there'd be a handful of movies that I had seen because mm. they were a wide release, and we just happened to have watched them. But there were always nominees. I was like, "What? What is Tom and Viv? <laughs> Never seen the Madness of King George. Like, what are these movies?" And then I would become interested, and then we'd rent them. So that can be really, really good. The problem is that when the Oscars are used to raise awareness of the quality of filmmaking that Hollywood is producing. When you do try to look at them in that way, oh, it's good, they're raising awareness of these movies, you start noticing the movies that never get to the Academy Awards, whether they're in a particular genre that's rarely uh, rewarded, like, for example, 
horror or even comedy, uh, or if it's the uh, type of people who don't seem to get nominated very often, like women or <laughs> anyone of color for the most part. And uh, that sucks. So I think the representation matters. Mm. I think the representation that the Oscars offered matter and that they really should... If we're going to look at them in any kind of positive light, we have to have something positive to say about them. Yeah, yeah. The fact of the matter is that the Academy Awards were invented in the 1920s by Louis B. Mayer as a way to distract the people who worked at movie studios for a significant chunk of the year so that they wouldn't bug him about unions. That's actually true. He said he's that. on record. Yeah, yeah. That's how. That's why the academy was created. It was created to like sort of resolve disputes between the talent and the studio heads. But it was created by the studios, so they always had a leg up. And uh, yeah, it was created as a distraction. And the sad fact is, the Academy Awards could just be like a fun night once a year where we mm. talk about it for a few weeks and then we're done. So much of the industry revolves around it now from our side of it, people who talk about movies, people who review movies, people who are literally awards pundits all year, to just months out of the year from festivals to publicity events that are basically taking up the time of all these filmmakers, all these actors, all these publicists, and it's just dedicated to the Academy Awards. There probably is better things we could do with our time. Mm -hmm. It's probably like a huge distraction and we put a little too much emphasis in it. So, In, in fact, um, yeah. the, the kinds of movies we talk about when we talk about Oscar movies, mm -hmm. uh, that the Academy Awards have dictated release schedules for the better part of mm -hmm. cinema's history, really, uh, in that the ones the studios feel are awards worthy mm -hmm. are the ones they release at a certain time of year. Particularly towards the end of the, the end year of the when year, they'll yes. be fresh in the Academy of Voters' yeah. Minds just before the nominations. That's not uh, as, always the case, and some prominent mm -hmm. contenders do come out earlier, but usually it's in the last few months. Usually that's the way it is. And uh, as a critic, that gulls me a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, as critics, we should be able to look past the publicity machine and select the best films of the year regardless of when they came out. Indeed. Uh, and we try to. But the Academy is not con not constructed of critics. It's constructed yeah. of its own members. And yeah. while, you know, getting votes from other people in the industry who ostensibly respect you is going and who, to be an uh, honor. And who ostensibly know what you do for a living. Yeah, they yeah. actually understand in a way Your that... Your craft, yeah. Yeah, in a way that... Listen, film critics, for example, we study movies in uh, our whole lives, for mm. the most part. Um, but... It's. Um, I imagine it must be different if you're, for example, a costume designer, uh, to receive an uh, an award from the Costume Designers Guild that is comprised entirely of people who know in absolute intricate detail how difficult a job that is, mm. and who can appreciate the effort that you went into in your work. That's got to mean a lot. Yeah, that's got to mean a lot, and it should mean a lot. And I think that's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, the other thing that someone has pointed out to me, or that has been pointed out to me, I guess, on multiple occasions now that I think about it, is this idea, and I don't think it's entirely true, that if it wasn't for the Academy Awards uh, celebrating a certain kind of movie, in particular dramas, mm -hmm. we might get fewer dramas. Because nowadays, <laughs> all these corporations, they're just trying to, like, you know... Make what a is, buck and, yeah, what's... What is making money right now? And the thing is, while some dramatic movies, movies that are considered more serious, in air quotes, dramas... More, more adult, more mature, yeah, whatever you like. Sometimes yeah. they make a lot of money. But then you see a movie that seems like it should be 
you know, maybe not a giant blockbuster, but should at least do okay. Like, hey, Steven Spielberg's doing a movie about his whole life. Surely a lot of That'll, filmmaking fans would hmm. love to watch a movie like that. It did not do well. No, no. I know that yeah. one of the big examples, uh, and one that was actually kind of ignored around award season, was She Said. Yeah. Uh, a a pre- Kind of like a, an investigative procedural about the Harvey Weinstein scandal. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, it was. Why well, getting completely huge, ignored at the Oscars? Huge bomb and ignored at the Oscars. Yeah, it's a good movie, I thought. Actually, uh, you know, just, I thought it was pretty good as well. Yeah. Um, we're just sort of in a in a point right now where that kind of uh, adult drama about mm-hmm. the real world that looks at sort of difficult topics and mm-hmm. tackles them head on in a more in a somewhat uh, realistic way. Yeah. yeah, those aren't the kinds of films that are attracting huge crowds. Not for the most part. Uh, but I now, think, I think the that's idea, in theaters a lot of it, though. In I think the, people that's do in, watch that's these in things theaters. on streaming. I, 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 again, it's less effort that goes into it, you know? Unfortunately, thanks to the modern vagaries of uh, streaming services, we don't know. Uh, we don't know who's it's watching these at any time. Yeah. Uh, and we can go on social media, but all of our media, social medias are different, so we can't have yeah. ever have a, a healthy view as to who's watching what anymore. It's kind Death of or... it's kind of academic. Um but that wasn't always the case. What constitutes an Oscar movie? Uh, we now refer to as a certain kind of adult drama. Often uh, biographical motion yeah, pictures. Some biographical ones. Yeah, uh, real world. It's there. It's rare that there are sort of big action spectaculars. Although we have two major ones yeah, on, on Best Picture. There's usually a couple. Um, they don't usually get a lot of the quote-unquote big awards, like mm-hmm. Best Picture or Best Screenplay, but... You like Effects and Sound. They often get Best Effects yeah. and Sound, or at, least get, or at least get represented in those categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but in the past, these kinds of heady adult dramas were hits. They were the blockbusters. Yeah. The Godfather made tons of money. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. hard to imagine that being like one of the biggest blockbusters of the year. The Godfather. And, and I, I remember even in my lifetime, like even in the 1990s, yeah. there were like period pieces that high school kids were flocking to. Sure. Uh, sense of Sensibility. F- sense of Sensibility. Yeah. Films like uh, Ridicule or uh, really? Restoration. Ridicule, Ridicule yeah, it was, was pretty... Uh, yeah, popular at your high school. Uh, everybody I knew. That's a, well, like, what, to be fair, to, go, uh, to be fair you grew up in Santa Monica, California. I, I grew up in Santa California, Those movies that's are a bit more readily available in Santa Monica theaters. They, they were around. I, I imagine you go to like Kansas City, Missouri, they're... You're not going to find a huge contingent of like high school kids who are watching but, ridicule. But when we were growing uh, up in the '90s, and this yeah. is it's dating us. We're in our '40s now. Whatever. Um, there certainly were genuinely popular, just prestige, quote unquote, films or independent films that really broke out. That seemed to be really important culturally, and that, I think that's still true today. Mm. But um, a lot of studios. You know, seem to focus on those as Oscar contenders. But here's the thing: you can make a move those movies. You can even make them really, really good, and then Oscars completely ignore you. They can completely ignore you mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Uh, it doesn't mean you didn't make a great movie, but it can be frustrating when you're shut out completely, even though it looks like you did everything the Oscars would normally reward. Case in point: one of the year's best movies last year, The Woman King. Uh, you like that one? I really like that movie a lot. Yeah. It, it didn't make my top ten. It was like my number eleven, but like that, that's mm-hmm. irrelevant. It's that's an arbitrary number. It's a fucking great movie. I think it's an, it's a fantastic historical drama. I think it's it works as an action movie. It works on a lot of different levels. Great performances, uh, just great production stuff. You would have think it would have at least been up for stuff like best costume design or best production design or best sound something. Uh, com- completely left out. Mm-hmm. Sucks. 
Um, so again, the Oscars aren't really the best bellwether for what were the best movies of a year because even though tons of movies ultimately get nominated, there isn't room for everything. Mm. Uh, and it's not really a meritocracy. It's just where people were at and people have their own uh, values, proclivities, uh, uh, biases, and that sucks and we should call it out when we think it, it's not right. But at the end of the day, it's a reward ceremony and the best it can probably be is either putting a few movies down for posterity so that they're not completely forgotten in a hundred years and uh, kind of fun to put a wager on in an office pool. And that's why we're here today. So Whitney and I are going to go through every single category at the Academy Awards. And sadly, this isn't one of those years where one or both of us have seen literally every movie, which we've done before. Yeah, although I, I uh, prior to the nominees, I had at least seen every Best Picture nominee. Mm. So I was caught up on in that regard. But there are a few on this list that I still haven't seen. Yeah. Um, when it comes to international feature, a lot of those films don't get released in time for the Academy Awards. Yeah. In the United States. Yeah, like a proper f- full release. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the documentaries are sometimes difficult to track down. Yeah. So, uh, so th- those, are, those are typically yeah. the, car- the categories that I'm most behind on thanks to the shorts program i've seen all those yeah uh so we can we can help guide you through that we, if you want to hear all about the sh- we're, we're going to talk about these movies and our thoughts about them but if you want to mm-hmm. hear all about every single one of the 15 oscar nominated short films we did a bonus episode not that long ago mm-hmm. it should be pretty pretty near in our feed like just a couple of weeks um but uh, yeah we're going to talk about all the movies that were nominated there are a few categories as well that i haven't seen all the films in we'll, we'll cop to that and we'll give a caveat that we can't speak to everything, but uh, we've seen most of the movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's start with uh, we've got a ballot here that we just printed out from online. Uh, we'll end with Best Picture and Best Director and be- all the acting categories, but let's just start at the bottom here, mm-hmm. which, for whatever reason, and it seems pretty arbitrary, uh, they've said is Best Original Screenplay. Yeah. The nominees for Best Original Screenplay are The Banshees of Inishirin, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Mm. And Triangle of Sadness, and uh, I, I think three of these are legitimately great screenplays. I would um, say Banshees of Inishirin is a great screenplay, Everything yeah. Ever All at Once is a great screenplay, and I think Tar is a great screenplay. Yeah, I agree. I think The Fablemans is not a good screenplay. No. I think it kind of meanders. It's not very tight. Mm. I think it has uh, like one or two good scenes. That's some really great scenes. Yeah. A handful of wonderful moments in it. But yeah, as, as like a whole piece of work, I didn't mm. get it from The Fablemans. And I, I think it's tri- got a great ending. That's the thing that I think yeah, a lot of people yeah. take away from the, it. The, it's, it's, it's an exquisitely crafted finale. The, the last scene is the best scene in the movie. Yeah, um, but everything so, up so until it, then, it, it feels it a little... It leaves you feeling good, but yeah, everything it, up to that point is... It's either... Unf- it's, it didn't like it was like leading to that point or anything. Well, it's weird because like Spielberg said, like the, it's, a, it's a thinly veiled biopic of mm. Steven Spielberg's life. And he said, like, this is a story I've been like trying to avoid telling this whole mm. time. And I'm like, it kind of shows... Because it seems like you haven't processed some of it very well, and you haven't necessarily come to the most meaningful conclusions about all of it. Yeah, and as a result, it doesn't really feel as complete as I feel it should. Mm. Uh, Triangle of Sadness is a pretty good movie, but I also think it's really mm. blunt and probably longer than it needs to be. Uh, well, that second point I agree with. Uh, yeah. Blunt, I don't mind. I think well, being being it blunt can be to a fault. Be, being, I mean, we're talking about you know Spielberg. We're going to be talking about Avatar in a little bit. Those are yeah. blunt movies. They are, uh, and bluntness is not a vice unto itself. Uh, no, subtlety is not inherently a virtue. No, I'm not um, pretending that. It just sometimes it can be to a fault. But uh, yeah, something like Tri- Triangle of Sadness makes a point and then just com- re- repeats that same point over and over again. So uh, I, I yeah. feel like it's 
up through the vomit scene, it's great. And then <laughs> once they crash land on the island, it gets it kind of like loses focus. I think there are good ideas throughout, but I have yeah. issues with it. Uh, Whitney, so, we're gonna we're gonna go through each category and say what we think will win yeah. and what we think should win. Whitney, what do you think should win in this category? I think Tar should win okay. uh, because I I love Tar. I love the way the story is constructed. But more than anything, golly, that florid language. Yeah. Um, Todd Field really understood the details of the uh, the the world of uh, high classical music, mm. and uh, there that first opening uh, interview between yeah. Lydia Tar and the guy from the New New York New Yorker, I think. Uh, um, New Yorker, New York. I think it's a New Yorker. Yeah. yeah. Uh, pl- playing himself, mm. uh, how he's just sort of like speaking her up, and she's an egot, and all mm. of these, uh, all this highfalutin language about music theory and like you know, the the place of feminism and modern musical kind of designed to go over the head of the audience. Yeah, and yeah. it it feels like really kind of heady and pretentious, but mm. also strangely authentic. If you've ever like mm. listened to a lecture like that, it feels like. Todd Field did the research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that's true of every scene throughout yeah. uh, Tar. Like every little detail. Uh, same with the production design. Same with the like the editing and the pacing. That's an impeccable movie. I love Tar. Yeah, I love um, it too. And I would give it to Tar. But Banshees of Inisherin is the smart money. Oh really? Yeah. Okay, you think it's going to go to Banshees of Inisherin? Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Mar- the Academy ha- has it has it for Martin McDonough. They uh, have ever uh, since In Bruges. Yeah, and which is a good movie. I, I don't quite get it. Uh, I feel like his films have a, like a lot of interesting things going on in them. Mm-hmm. I did like Three Billboards, but it was weird that it was an awards darling. That should be like this sort of dark horse thing that only a couple people talk about. I, I, I uh, Three Billboards is one of those movies that is really confrontational in how it tells its story. Not that it's necessarily like. Mm. I mean, it's basically in your face. Like, look at this drama we're doing. Look at it. Have yeah. you seen it yet? Jeez, they're burning down a building, for fuck's sake. Um, but I don't think it actually has particularly nuanced points. I think it's actually trying to suggest that it has a lot to say, but it's actually just loud mm. and abrasive, and it doesn't actually come to any meaningful conclusions about well, a lot the, of this stuff. And what I, as a result, it felt like a lot of ado about very little. Well, what I liked about Three Billboards is because it didn't come to those conclusions. This is about people who are feeling... Uh, wrath and outrage and mm. um, don't really know how to express that. And in yeah. fact, the conclusion it comes to is uh, one of the last lines of dialogue is we'll figure it out on the way. Right. They, they don't really know what to do with all of these emotions. And c- considering when it came out yeah. in the middle of the Donald Trump administration yeah. was actually kind of reflective of this, like just free, free floating rage that was going on in the country. So I think it was very salient in that, Regard. I, I would argue um, that that's one of the reasons why it's such a good acting showcase. Mm-hmm. But I actually think as a movie, it doesn't really come together yeah, but, very well. I think Banshee's in a yeah. is a. It, it's very muted for Martin McDonough. It mm-hmm. has like this one really extreme plot element yeah. where uh, 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 Brendan Gleeson is best friends with Colin Farrell, but he decides he doesn't want to be friends with him anymore. And he says, if you keep trying to talk to me, if you t- keep trying to pursue friendship with me even though i've asked you not to i will cut off one of my fingers every time you do Mm. and he doesn't end the movie with all his fingers uh that's a really bizarre premise but because that premise isn't like thrown in kind of randomly throughout the story which mcdonough would sometimes do in his other screenplays like seven psychopaths or whatever like just fill it with incident like where's all your here's all the crazy shit constantly because that's the fundamental premise and everyone responds to it very plausibly and reasonably 
I think this is actually his maybe his best screenplay. I really do think it's very well constructed, like from top to bottom. Yeah, I, I feel like um, going back to sort of seeing all those art house films in the 1990s, something like this had come out in the 1990s. Oh, yeah. It, it would have been way off to the side. It would have, oh, wouldn't really? have been so? a, like a big main part of the conversation. Oh, I think it would have been the, I think it would have been a great counterpoint to all of those like um, small town indie comedies we were getting at the oh, time. Oh, that's true. Like, like Waking Ned Divine or even the, Full Monty yeah. or whatever, where... Uh, you know, here's a, here's a bunch of fun people in an ensemble, and even though they're they're from an isolated place, they're like, going to be strippers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like you know, it's like no, this is like the and and of course the movie's a metaphor for a lot of the actual politics of the time. So uh, that's really really good. However, my money, but it, and also the movie I think should win uh-huh. uh, is going to everything ever all at once. Mm. Now I think all three of those screenplays are exquisite, and if any of them win, I'll be very happy. Yeah. Uh, I think Everything Ever All at Once is a movie which, even if you don't think it's the best choice or best picture or the acting categories or whatever, the screenplay is a bizarre concept. Mm. It's a multiverse, but like the way that this particular multiverse like is presented has odd rules, yeah. has weird supervillainy, uh, takes place on different planes of existence. Like On paper, it shouldn't work. And yet, ironically, the paper is where we see the total promise of it yeah. come to life. And I think I think it is very impressive mm. how this incredibly bizarre movie is grounded not only in its characters and its humanity and its themes, but also it's so exquisitely structured uh-huh. that no matter how weird it gets, you're on board. Yeah, and I think that I, starts I think, at the screenwriting stage, and I think I think it's going to be rewarded for it. Uh, it it's that structure that actually makes me think that's not going to get it. Really, um, this is something that should feel a little bit wild, and mm-hmm. um, the, the more you spend time with it, the more you realize that it actually is pretty mannered. Uh, okay. it, it it doesn't feel very a uh, wild. A lot of the strangeness feels kind of weirdly constructed in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, if I'm to make any complaints, it's, it's a movie I actually really like. Yeah. Um, more than anything, I like it because of its philosophies mm-hmm. about uh, philosophies of optimism and hope versus sort of selfishness. And they actually go in, delve into various states of philosophical thought. I like that kind of thing. Yeah, I like it too. And, and the, sort of the um, how tantalizing nihilism is is a big theme of everywhere, every, everything it, everywhere. And, it um, is. It's well done. Yeah. I, that's the stuff I like about everything everywhere. But that's in there the, too. The ideas. Um it's one of those movies that has everything to, for everyone yeah, all at once. When it comes to uh, its actual like genre construction, it starts to feel a lot like uh, like an anime or an action picture. And I don't think that's and, necessarily a bad thing. No, but it's it's it, it simplifies things that could be a lot more complex. Well, I think that's that simple. I think it's that appearance of simplicity mm. that allows complex ideas to be. Uh, uh, accepted by people who might otherwise reject them because uh, they're whatever. Anyway, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we've made a point. Um, so okay, so you're saying Tar should win, but you think mm. Banshees of Inisherin will? I think Banshees of Inisherin. And I'm will. saying everything, everywhere, all at once should and will. Uh, let's move on to adapted screenplay. The mm. nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, mm. Living. Top Gun Maverick and Women Talking. And I will uh, give my first caveat mm. here. I never got around to Living. Oh, okay. So I can't speak yeah. to living. I can't. Uh, I, I will give yeah, the, who I uh, think will win, but only because I've only missed one. And even uh, then, with an asterisk, maybe it's living. Uh, living was written by Kazuo Ishiguro, so it's like a celebrity 
writing that screenplay. Yeah, there was the um, uh, he wrote uh, Remains of the Day, of the Day yeah. yeah, which is an amazing movie. Remains and, of the yeah, Day. and wrote wrote the screenplay for for yeah. Living, which is a, a, a pretty straight adaptation of Akira Kurosawa's Ikiru. It's so straight. In fact, um, somebody wrote in and said, I gave a bad review to Living because I can only compare it to Ikiru. Yeah. Uh, and I know Ikiru so well, it's difficult for me to talk about that movie without talking about That's Ikiru. Too, yeah. So, um, uh, it would be nice to see something like Living mm-hmm. get Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, what the hell is Top Gun doing in there? That is a <laughs> stupid-ass screenplay. I would argue, here's what I'll say with Top Gun. Here's what I'll say with Top Gun. First uh, off, if you're wondering what's that adapted from... All it's adapted se- from Top Gun. All sequels <laughs> are automatically uh, uh, in the adapted screenplay category, which I don't think is entirely fair. I, because if you It's think completely it's, fair. Eh, here's here's my point with that. And uh, I, I see your point. I see, I understand right. the, like... It's, there's pre-existing material and we're building upon it. They adapted Fine. it from the first movie. They yeah. didn't adapt it, though. I think they continued it. I don't think that's mm. exactly the same thing. Mm. I would argue that to say that Top Gun Maverick mm. is an adapted screenplay because two characters from the original movie are in it. Mm. And we they're on a, a new journey. Uh. And to say that, for example, uh, I don't know, The Fablemans, which is adapting the story of Steven Spielberg's life that just didn't happen mm. to have been published in a book form or something like that. Uh, and to say that that's not adapted, uh-huh. that's a bit of a double standard, isn't okay. it? Because it no. seems like, it seems like uh, what you're actually saying is it's not so much that you adapt something that pre-existed into a new screenplay uh-huh. because stories based on, for example, real life events win best original screenplay all the time. Uh, what you're actually saying is it only counts if the producers paid for the rights to do that. No. Okay. Uh, if you're looking at real life and you write a story of it, you have to choose everything you're going to put into that story. That's same That's with adaptation. Average... No, because adaptation, a lot of those ideas pre-existed. So did, and, and now you're re- and now you're rewriting too. something that existed already, and especially when you're going to something like Top Gun, which follows the first film beat for fucking beat. Eh, <laughs> a lot of it. It's a almost like it. a rewrite of the first screenplay. It, it really um, is. It really is. I think, I, uh, I think it's very cleanly presented. I think mm. it's got strong character work. I think it flies. No pun intended. Like it mm. just. It's a. It's a. It's a good watch. It, it's. But it's, it's a, a good, weird choice for best adapted. Best adapted screenplay. Uh, all Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, I read that book when I was in junior high school. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of people were assigned it in school. I think it's pretty standard classroom reading. Uh, the original uh, 1931 movie mm. is still considered one of the best war and or yeah, anti-war yeah. movies. And I think it's reasonably well... Mm. I think it's reasonably often viewed. It's yeah, definitely not uh, out of the conversation altogether. And this new one's pretty good as well. Mm. Um I actually don't like the screenplay for All Quiet on the Western Front because they added material. That's how I feel uh, too. They they I added watched it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they added a, a character played by Daniel Bruhl uh, plays somebody who's negotiating uh, the end of the war. Yeah, and how a lot of the concessions made at the end of the war uh, at the end of World War One mm-hmm. led directly into the violence of World War Two. Yeah, because it sort of left loopholes into like military advances, which is significant, uh, but it's not necessarily relevant to the story All Quiet no, on the Western I, Front is telling. It really transforms it in a way I don't think does it as well a good service right right um yeah so i'm with you on that i think it's uh it's still a good movie uh-huh. but they add stuff that i think detracts from the overall message and point and i actually think some of the stuff that they took out is 
pretty sorely missing. Yeah. The scene, because they have the scene at the beginning where uh, the young teenagers who are being told by their professor, it is good to go to war. You will all be and, heroes for and, Germany. And they all go, yay! Yeah, and, and then, then they then run they, off and... They run, and they encounter death immediately. Like it's the like, first yeah. day. Uh, in the original movie, you know, there's the scene where he comes back and he sees his teacher giving the same speech to a new class of kids. And he, and and he, he tells, tells off the teacher in front he, of the kids. Well, he tells yeah. them what it's really like and mm. the teacher just says, this man is a traitor. Mm. And it's like, these are great moments that are just weirdly absent from the movie. It's pretty good, but I do think it's not a great adaptation. Yeah. Uh, Glass Onion's funny. <laughs> I liked it more than you. It, it's, it's really jokey. I, I actually think the screenplay... Uh, could have benefited from a... It could have been a heck of a lot tighter. Mm. Uh, they introduce a lot of information in Act 1, and then they reintroduce the same information without altering it in Act 2. I don't uh, think that... I th- a, they, a character, they change the perspective. They, they change the perspective, and yeah. it doesn't add anything to the movie. I disagree uh, with that very much, actually. Because it doesn't change any of the information we got. It, we not, just learned, It's not just about information. Char- at the end of the first act, characters reveal that they got information. Act 2 only reveals how they got the information, and that's not interesting or relevant. I, I disagree uh, with that, but I can't get into it without doing yeah, spoilers. Okay. I think it's more tightly constructed than you're giving it credit for. Okay. And I actually really like that it is... Uh, it, it is very funny. I think it's got great ensemble character mm. work. Um, I think the... The actual mystery story is very clever, and mm. I think it, it actually is about something which I appreciate. So mm. I think it deserves this nomination. Yeah, In and fact, uh, I, I came very close to thinking it deserved this win, but okay. I, don't, I didn't. Um, what will win, and what should win, is mm. Sarah Pauly's Women Talking. Yeah. Because it's a uh, it's all dialogue, it's all conversational, <laughs> it's uh, incredibly timely. Yeah. Uh, it, it's about a, a group of women living on a, an Amish community, mm-hmm. and they have been, for many, many years, sis- systematically victimized by the men mm-hmm. who live there. They, it's not they specifically were, Amish, it's like Amish, just, it's, just to be clear. It's sort of like a, a religious community. And, yeah, um, yeah the, the men were were drugging and assaulting these women. Mm-hmm. In re- their sleep. In yeah. their sleep repeatedly for years. This was just something the men did. Yeah. Uh, they were busted, and now all of the men have left to turn themselves in. But... No, no, no. The, the guy who was busted is uh. in prison, and all of the men have gone to get him out of jail. They've gone mm. there to support him, and while they're gone, all the women who are left mm. have a meeting to say... What the hell do what, we what, do? What do we do? And the discussions yeah. they have are, are, are really, um, yeah, debating. Do they mm-hmm. do they stay? Do they fight the men or do they leave? Mm-hmm. And there's all this voting and there's uh, back and forth and all of the different characters are really well realized. They all have different important points of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valid some, points of view. Yeah, yeah, some of their points of view sort of shift a little bit. It's it's very 12 Angry Men. It is. Uh, and, yeah. and I love that. I love that you can yeah. construct that kind of rising and falling drama mm-hmm. with just dialogue. You can say that like a movie like Top Gun probably would have worked if the screenplay wasn't as tight. Woman talk, uh, women talking is a movie that if the screenplay isn't exquisite, falls the fucking part. Yeah. Because as excellently as Sarah Polly directed it, and if she'd been nominated for best director, I'd been very happy. Um, if this screenplay doesn't work, the movie doesn't work, and the screenplay is complex and nuanced and full of exciting and interesting characters. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think this one it will and should win as well. I, mm. I'm okay. feel pretty confident about it. Um, let's move on to best visual effects. Avatar. 
next. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about real fast. Just real it, fast. It, it should. It will. And the other, <laughs> the I, I, other I, nominees I, don't have a chance. I, I, I disagree with one thing. Right. I disagree with one thing you just said. But these nominees are all quiet on the Western Front. Avatar The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun Maverick. Uh, mm. If you're asking yourself why are all quiet on the Western Front and the Batman nominated for Best Visual Effects, I didn't see any visual effects. That's why. Yeah, and I think that's cool. A, a lot of the a lot of the sets in uh, in the Batman mm-hmm. were artificial. Yeah, Not, they weren't constructed. That is like yeah. a lot of those big sort of swirling shots were CGI constructions, and they looked like real. Sets. They look really good. The, it deserves that nomination. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Black Panther: Wakanda Forever has some cool visual effects. In oh, it. All the underwater stuff is pretty that's awesome. Amazing. In Black Panther, I, I would actually, yeah. I actually like the way the underwater stuff looks better in Wakanda Forever than it does in Avatar, mm-hmm. at least stylistically. Um, I, mm. Uh, but um, a, a, yeah. very different aesthetics. Yes. Um, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Uh, I actually was reading articles about this mm-hmm. uh, about how uh, the special effects technicians had to really closely study the kinds of lenses that the cinematographer was using mm. uh, in order to extrapolate what those lenses would have looked like underwater. Yeah. So there's this weird consistency of vision throughout mm. something like Black Panther. No, I, I, uh, I really like the visual effects in Black Panther a lot, uh, but uh, it, it's, it comes down to Avatar The Way of Water, which is, of course, stunning, uh, or Top Gun Maverick. And I, will, I agree with you that Avatar The Way of Water sh- uh, will win. Okay. However, mm. I actually think Top Gun Maverick should win. And uh, here's okay. why. Not because it didn't do as... Not because it did more impressive things than Avatar. Avatar has a lot of impressive things in it. Mm. I, I can't tell you what parts of Top Gun Maverick were fake or not. Oh. <laughs> like that's, I think it is yeah, just they, uh... absolutely impeccably crafted mm-hmm. in terms of... Because we know they did a lot of that stuff for real. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what. Yeah, <laughs> I think I know, it's uh... so well done. I think it's so well hidden. Tony Scott directed the original Top Gun in yeah. 1986, a movie I hate, by the way. Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of Top Gun. Uh, Top Gun Maverick repeats it and like a, and makes it a little slicker, and it's just as deep. Uh, I, I think it changes the slightly, point. Slightly less insufferable, but uh, the thing that the thing I actually like Top Gun Maverick, but the thing I don't like about it is that the original film, which is of course a huge you know recruitment drive, mm. um, is about how. Being a rugged individualist um, doesn't work in a group dynamic, and you actually need to be willing to work with others in mm. order to do the right thing when, in, in the case of something like, say, a military, which is actually how that works. Uh, Top Gun Maverick is about how the military is way too structured and has way too much of a group dynamic, and, and they should all be maverick. And that's a his, that's very his, self-serving as his, a sequel plot. His name is Maverick. His name is Ma- <laughs> no one gets a cool pilot name in the Navy or the mm. Air Force or either one. Mm. It doesn't happen. Like I've I've ta- I've heard people talk about it, like no, you get like an embarrassing. You get named like a hot dog or something like that. You get like something that's like kind of like a, a silly nickname you have to live up to. You don't get to pick a cool one. This isn't Reservoir Dogs. Like, I want to be Mr. Purple. You don't get to be Mr. Purple. <laughs> I'm going to be Maverick. No, you're going to be Sputum Snacks. You know, something <laughs> something really gross. Yeah. Um, no, um, but because uh, the uh, Tony Scott shot that original film uh, with uh, mm. just a few miniatures and a lot of actual uh, mm. piloting. Yeah. Like actual aerial photography. Yeah. Which, impressive aerial photography. Very impressive. Some aerial. of the best since Howard Hughes. Looks amazing. Uh, and... Uh, they did a lot of actual aerial photography for Maverick as well. Mm-hmm. I know they put the actors in the planes and actually filmed them, and the actors yeah. actually barfed because it was re- re- really rough. All those G's. I'll bet. 
Um, yes, all very impressive. Yeah. So for uh, me, if I were voting, I'd it's, vote for and, Captain Yeah, there, and there's like a slickness to those visuals and a lot of like uh, spatial continuity and visual clarity, which I really value, especially in an action picture. Very impressive. Yeah. James Cameron invented under underwater cameras and shit. Like, there's, I know, there's I no know. way he's not winning. And also... There's no denying that Avatar uh, The Way of Water is just visually dazzling. A lot of those underwater scenes. Uh, what I appreciate is, uh, when, especially when uh, the characters go over to the water-dwelling Navi. Mm-hmm. And they just sort of are exploring the lagoons. There's a huge portion of that movie, uh-huh. which is just underwater fish. It's just It's, it's, it's just al- alien fish, and we're looking at, around you, at all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, then, then there's a scene where they go to a separate lagoon, and they run into a talking whale. and it's like One of many talking whales. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> The, the Navi teenager is chased by like a monster coelacanth and yeah. is rescued by the whale. It's like okay, this is all. It's all cool. It all and it all looks great. I'm so, not gonna. I'm not gonna begrudge Avatar: The Way yeah. of Water a visual effects Oscar of all things. Right. I'm not gonna begrudge it. I'm just saying that I'm just a little bit more impressed by how immersed I was in Top Gun's fakery uh-huh. than how I was impressed by how cool the fakery was in Avatar. Okay, so. I, I see it's, your point. It's, it's a matter of taste. It's not a matter of respecting like uh, one visual effects work more or less than the other. It's yeah. just one was trying to accomplish this, one was trying to accomplish this. Uh, moving on to the category of best sound, which used to be two separate categories. Yeah, sound mixing and sound editing. Yeah, and then uh, and then they uh, they threatened to take certain categories off of the awards ceremony. Uh, and the uh, sound designers agreed in order to streamline the ceremony, but to keep their category on the show proper they would combine sound editing and sound mixing into one category for best sound on the condition that they would stay in the show and then the Oscars then in 2020 <laughs> then, then they didn't put them on the show so mm. the, the reason why this is combined is kind of shitty uh, but um, yeah so best sound the nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front Avatar The Way of Water The Batman Elvis and Top Gun Maverick mm. they're all very good sounding movies very different uh, movies. It, it's it's difficult for me to pick. I, I think yeah. I'd like to pick something like I, I'm going to pick Avatar as what should win. Okay, just because I appreciate the fantasy stuff. Mm. It, it's you know space alien stuff and yeah. space alien technology, and they had to create something that sounded like original, but also a little bit real, and all this weird fantasy technology yeah. uh, needed original sounds. All these alien creatures need all these interesting sounds. So I'm going to yeah. sort of give a nose to that in terms of what I think should win. I think Top Gun will. Okay. Um, you're talking about sort of the visuals and getting sort of, uh, use the word, like getting immersed in the movie. I think mm-hmm. the sound is a huge part of these machine movies. Yeah. Planes go vroom. Yeah, they do. That, that's the theme of the movie. Yeah. But Pla- planes are fast and they go zoom, zoom. And yeah. it's not going to be exciting if the sound isn't just right. Well, and here's the thing. And this is something mm-hmm. that they learned when they made the first Top Gun. Uh, those planes, the sound they make is white noise. It's, it's too loud to record. It's yeah. so loud. It's just a generic din. They actually have to completely rework those sounds in order to make it sound like it's right, mm. but also tell a story with it. And I think they do an exceptional job of it. And I think that even though Avatar will probably dazzle more people with its visuals, I think uh, Top Gun probably impressed more people with its sound. Yeah. So I think actually Will and Should Win. Oh. However, they're all really good sounding movies, though. I think yeah. Elvis is like the musical, uh, uh, mm. usually a musical gets nominated for this in some regard. Um, and it's impeccably, it sounds great. Uh, all Quiet on the Western Front, mm. great war sound effects. The Batman, 
sounds good sounding movie the way like the the like the, the roar of the batmobile yeah. just sounds fucking cool so yeah that's that's awesome so um let's move on to let's do production design okay production design all right uh do you want to do the nominees i've been doing them let's so see. Far. all right um uh, i'll quiet on the western front avatar the way of water babylon elvis and the fablemans um F- fablemans uh I understand the kind of energy and mm. and difficulty it is to sort of recreate an old, uh, like, 1960s home. Sure. And getting sort of, like, the texture of the carpets just right, or, the, yeah. you know, the color of the wallpaper. There's a lot of detail. Um, but I'm now old enough that I remember that shit. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, just make it olive. Yeah. It, it, it feel like I'm a little it, less impressed by little, it. Uh, the older I get, the less impressed I am with sort of the recreation of something yeah. that, you know, existed kind of in recent memory. The, the fun so, stuff uh, is actually the way that they recreate like the ultra low budget, like movie sets that yeah. Spielberg used. That's the fun stuff. That's mm-hmm. like the fun production design in it. Yeah. So, I, uh, so I, I get why it's nominated, but yeah, I don't um, think it's, I don't think it's going to win in I, a million years. I understand why Elvis is nominated because it has the most production design. Oh my God. Uh, it's, they it's, have it's to cover a lot of yeah, ground. It's, it's, it's a, it's a Baz Luhrmann production and yeah. there's a lot of sets and there's a lot of quick editing and mm-hmm. you know, they have to design specialty cars for how they, they look in front of houses. They have to create and, giant fucking sets and like sound stages yeah. and, and whole fucking worlds that were real, mm. but were also the very... Enterprise is in it. <laughs> it's, the US, it the USS Enterprise from Star Trek is in Elvis, and it's all larger than life. But it was all real. But it all had to be recreated for the most part, which is pretty impressive. And it's pretty but it, but in, in that sort of like fantasy way that yeah. that uh, Lerman does. But some of the shit was created to flash across the screen for a ten seconds. Yeah. And so I really admire the Herculean effort mm. uh, involved in it. Mm. Uh, all quiet on the Western Front. Um, it's it. I mean, I'm again. I'm it's not, not. It's nice looking mud. It's nice looking mud. <laughs> but I'm a little less impressed by with the trenches uh. than I am with something like, for example, Babylon, which mm. recreated a lot of different uh, gigantic and bizarre. Uh, uh, some some more realistic than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, classic Hollywood locales. Yeah, appreciate it. Another Herculean effort, and then there's Avatar: The Way of Water, which I have very mixed feelings about being in this category, because mm-hmm. on one hand, I I do know that the production design and that's the creation of sets and props. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually did create a lot of the props so that they could then digitize it, make it look as realistic as possible. Oh, yeah, sets, props, yeah. costumes. Yeah. They they had to build sets sure. for Avatar: The Way of Water right. that the actors could actually walk around on. Yeah, and uh, and they also had to build like maquettes and yeah. miniatures that they were actually. So they did everything except like build the whole set. All of that was done digitally. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing that I think kind of puts like a little asterisk next to it. I just feel mm. like it's a slightly different job. It's a particular blend of production design and visual effects. Yeah. yeah. That almost feels like like what category do you put that in? And I feel like visual effects covers a lot of that. Mm. So for me, I'm actually saying for will and should this time, uh-huh. uh, I'm actually saying Elvis. Okay. I think Elvis is a very impressive accomplishment. It's a gorgeous looking movie from top to bottom. Mm. Uh, everything looks right. There's so much texture in it. Yeah. Um, I'm very impressed by the entire, at the very least, mm. the uh, the overall aesthetic. Okay. I think they nailed it. Um, I, I like Avatar The Way of Water. I think maybe that one should win okay. uh, just because of uh, the amount of fucking time that went into it. Time, energy, and, creativity. Yeah, and a lot of creativity. Yeah, and, and again, it's it's this fantasy universe, and I, but mm-hmm. it's a fantasy universe unlike something like Lord of the Rings, which mm-hmm. feels very fantastical. It feels mm-hmm. like it's not a world you could walk around in, Middle Earth. Really? It's, I always felt like it was. Oh, golly, no. It looks really artificial It's New to me. Zealand. <laughs> 
You can just go there. A lot of like the big sweeping overhead shots where there's no production design. They're just filming a mountain. That looks real. I could go there. But yeah, I've seen castles and I've seen New Zealand in my head. I can combine them. But then there's there's a lot of uh, like sets that look like sets and oh, uh, you know like elf villages i feel that way about some of the sets in avatar mm-hmm. though whether on mm-hmm. whether in like the high-tech labs that stuff oh, yeah. is never very immersive for me that stuff always looks yeah. like a soundstage to me the, the labs i agree with you on but yeah. you know like going to the the, uh, the like the water village yeah. and these sort of like weird springy things they walk across that's kind of that takes a little bit of creativity sure it does, yeah. um, I, i'm not gonna bring, I, so i think that should win yeah uh, i think babylon's gonna win a lot of people do a lot of people do You're because there there was like Elvis, there's a lot of it. A, it's a long movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, think think of the party scene. Yeah. And then think of the various sets within the movie. They had to make movies within the movie. So yeah. there's actually like separate production designs going on within the filming of the film. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I'm reminded of the scene where they're essentially taking the elevator into hell and going yeah. like down through the, like, the these depraved layers of... Uh, weird dark vice filled activities that's variety um, i'll give you that yeah uh, just that kind of variety and mm. uh that kind of sort of like fantastical version of 1920s hollywood i think mm. is is going to get the academy's my, attention my one caveat about that because i think elvis has m- maybe not the exact same level of variety but elvis is a comparable production in a lot of ways i think elvis is a better liked movie that's and for i sure, think yeah. that might have a small ch- that that's why i lean elvis but i agree right. babylon is an impressive accomplishment in production design uh, let's do costume design. Where is it? Yeah, costumes, costumes. Uh, it's bottom left there. Yeah. You got it. Costume design. Uh, Babylon, Black Panther, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. The one nomination uh, for Mrs. Harris, and it's well-deserved. I, I wish I could say it was Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris just mm. because it's a movie about the dress. Yeah. It's about creation. Mm. About, yeah. It's about creating the dress, about mm. the industry around the dress. Yeah. And boy, do they know how to film them. They're, they're created for film. Mm. In a way that like really pops off the screen, it's a great yeah, nomination, yeah. Uh, well deserved. Yeah, um, I think Babylon should win. Okay, uh, for for the same reason that I think it's going to win actual mm. production design. There's just so much of it. Mm. Um, that that wild dress that Margot Robbie wears is is stands mm. out pretty well. Um, Tobey Maguire shows up as a coke goblin late in the movie. <laughs> And, and, like, his clothes make him look like something out of a Max Fleischer cartoon. Like, there's a lot of really... And, and of course, they have to uh, change with the tone and the times and mm. sort of the way Margot Robbie's character dresses depend, you know, depicts where she is on her journey. I think there's sure. a lot of interesting no, things going on. But it's Baz Luhrmann. He's going to win. Uh, Baz Luhrmann <laughs> films win. Because so, you, so you think Babylon should win, but I think Elvis Babylon will. should win, but I think Elvis will win. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I will say this. I'm, I'm actually surprised that Everything Everywhere All at Once is nominated here. That's a lot of variety in its uh, costume design, but it doesn't really wow me yeah. the way that some of the others do. I actually really love the costume design in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, just like I did mm. the original Black Panther. And the only reason I'm giving... I mean, I just the new design, of, for example... No more is really really mm. cool, but um, I would argue that it's it's working off the foundation of the first film a lot. Yeah, and I other films maybe deserve more credit for doing something more fresh. Well, and um, also there there's something about uh, Black Panther, and, and uh, rather unfortunately for uh, its creative team, it's beholden to uh, the superhero genre. Yeah, also it, true. It, yeah. so um, when it comes to a lot of the design. They have to design it like it's Wakanda, this fantasy kingdom, but they also have to have, like, a superhero element to it. So there's this weird kind of... Hold it back a little bit sometimes. Well, there's this artificiality to the way they design superhero costumes, where uh, it looks like a superhero costume. Putting a little bit of stippling in it uh, and sort of shaping it around the actors' bodies worked for a while. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I don't think that's a bad thing. But I feel like they've drifted from that. It doesn't look natural anymore. Yeah. So well, when, a lot of them but, are CG now. Uh, yeah, a lot of them are CG. Yeah. So people aren't actually wearing those costumes. Yeah. It just doesn't inform their character the way they move or how yeah. they behave. And when it comes to things like flying suits of armor, it's just a cartoon now. Yeah. Um, at, at least for the purposes of this award. Yeah. Uh, so listen, I, if, if Black Panther wins, I'll be happy. Hmm. Uh, if Babylon wins, respect... But I actually think Will and Should uh, is Elvis. They did a great job yeah. of navigating the wild, changing time periods. Uh, not just the uh, uh, strange ways that Elvis's own uh, wardrobe evolved over time, but also all the audiences. It's it's Bass Armor does a really, really good job of giving you the entire environment in that movie, and everyone has to be just right. And I think uh, I think the the. The bit in Elvis where Elvis first performs in front of a live audience and he's wearing that pink suit and his pants are kind of baggy and very loose and they're kind oh, of yeah. jiggling and you just know mm. that like his junk is just flapping around but you can't really <laughs> see it but the the costume like suggests it. That, I yeah. think that pink suit alone is going to like... I remember mm. when Titanic was nominated for all those Academy Awards <laughs> and it yeah. won all but like three of them. Yeah, it was nominated for 14, won 11. Yeah, it 19, lost... It back lost, in 1997. It lost Best Actress, Supporting Actress, and Makeup to Men in Black, mm. uh, which that one makes sense. But, um, yeah, I remember when I was reading, like, the Oscar predictions for at the time, uh, and it was, like, costume design. The purple hat in Titanic will win. <laughs> Nothing else matters. It's winning for well, the purple hat. I, I remember thinking that um, uh, the movie Joker... Was mm. up for best costume yeah. at the Academy Awards, uh, and I, I thought it was going to win just because of that red suit. Yeah, I thought that was a really cool design. Mm. Uh, it, it it's the kind of costume design that uh, people are going to want to recreate, like for Halloween costumes. It, it, it becomes iconic. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, and it, it was instantly recognizable. It was a great color scheme. Mm. Uh, it, it made that movie, the version of that character, kind of stand out. Agreed. But then it lost. Agreed. So, but uh, I do think Joker, for the most part, if the exception of that suit people in the early 80s mm. I, th- I would argue that on t- it's building that iconic look on top of admittedly a ton of work yeah that i think for me gives elvis the edge so i think okay will and it should all right uh what do you want to go to next um do you want to do the shorts oh, let's do the shorts all right uh Documentary short. Okay. The Elephant Whisperer, Hall Out, uh, mm-hmm. How Do You Measure a Year, The Martha Mitchell Effect, and Stranger at the Gate. Uh, uh, these are actually all the, quite good this year. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. in our short special, we yeah. s- spoke about how the shorts tend to be pretty harrowing, especially yeah. the documentaries. And uh, we were refreshed that both the documentaries and the live action shorts, while some of them dealing with some pretty dark material uh were generally not as uh nose to the grindstone as they usually are Uh, Uh, real fast i'm just gonna give everyone a real quick primer on all these the elephant whisper is a documentary uh about uh, people raising uh wild elephants uh in in, in india in in like a in like a park like a reserve uh haul out is a really uh uh interestingly told documentary about a guy who's studying walruses yeah. Uh, how do you measure a year is actually kind of like a glorified home video of a guy who would ask his daughter the same questions every year on her birthday from when she was like two years old and able to talk until she was 18. And you get to see that entire passage of time uh, in, over the course of like 20 minutes. Um I lost, my, I lost my place. Uh, the Martha Mitchell oh, Effect is a yeah. historical documentary about the significance of Martha Mitchell and the Watergate scandal. And Stranger at the Gate is a story about... Um, I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's a story about mass murder 
in America and how that's kind of an epidemic, but it goes in a direction yeah. you don't expect. Um, again, they're all very, very good. I think the one that should win, the one that I would vote for, is Hall Out. That's that's the one I would vote for as well. Yeah, it's just told really exquisitely. It it has a really important, like, significant point, but it doesn't hit you over the head too hard with it. Mm. And it's just, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny, and it's... It, it might have to be my favorite I, I shot wish, in any movie this year. Is it where he just opens yeah, the door? There's, yeah, a, yeah. there's an opening the door scene that's just so perfect. There's I, just, a, I love it. Th- this sort of thing, uh, like a documentary short isn't the type of film that would get nominated for Best Cinematography, but oh, it has some of the best cinematography of the year. Agreed. Um, I love Hall Out, and that's yeah. what I would vote for. I don't think Hall Out's going to win. It's what a do little, you think is going to win? I think the Martha Mitchell effect. Really? I, I think, Interesting um, I, I think it's, uh, it's the kind of political film Mm-hmm. That isn't really political. It's a little subtle about it. It's, it's because on yeah. one hand, it's just about the the, the Nixon Watergate scandal, right? And then mm-hmm. you realize there are parallels. Yeah, there are parallels, yeah. but it doesn't say it, so you yeah. can kind of squint and pretend that it, they're not there. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, it's ultimately a film about the mistreatment of women, yeah, and especially Martha Mitchell. Um, yeah. But so I think a lot of people will feel safe voting for it, mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, this is about the past. It's you know, giving a good hard look at our past and." Mm-hmm. Depending on where you stand, you can pretend it's not relevant, or it is, and, and that's going to appeal to everybody. Yeah. So, um, that that uh, I think kind of deliberate ambiguity mm. is going to make it very, very appealing. It's also a, a corker of a watch. Oh, it's fantastically yeah. crafted. I find it a little conventionally crafted, which is mm. why I, I don't think it's going to win. But this is one of those categories where if anything wins, I'm happy. They're all good. Mm. Um, I, when when we reviewed these, I I said that I was pretty sure at the time that how do you measure a year would win because it's kind of got the most like emotional yeah kind of like a lifty feeling kind of good like you want to cry and hug your family members kind of mm-hmm. thing and that's in a good way yeah you know, it's all, all all earned uh but the more i think about it the more i suspect the winner is going to be stranger at the gate because mm. it talks about something that is very very relevant but it does it in a surprisingly hopeful way yeah there, there's a, a there's a twist <laughs> there's a twist that you not probably mm. might not see coming right uh, and it's and I think that that's going to leave people kind of impressed that they were able to find this story and that they're able to convey it in the way that they conveyed it and the way that something that makes us feel like our lives and our culture is very bleak right now, mm. that there is some hope for it, yeah. is, I think, very powerful. That, and I think that's, that's, I think that's it's likely to turn some heads. Uh, I, I already I wrote my, uh, my answers in ink, but you, mm. you make some good points. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so best live-action short film. The nominees are An Irish Goodbye, Evalu, Le Pupil... Night Ride and the Red Suitcase. And Whitney, why don't you give me one of the yeah. those uh, like a one sentence? All right. Uh, I, uh, the, an Irish Goodbye is about a pair of brothers. Um, one of them has moved to uh, England, comes back to Ireland for his mother's funeral. Mm. Uh, his brother uh, has Down syndrome, uh, has been living with mom, and now they're a, a, a little bit adrift yeah. now that mom is gone. Uh, and they find mom's bucket list after yeah. her death, and they decide to take her urn of ashes and... Enact everything things. on her bucket list with the urn of ashes. Which is a kind of a yeah. weird, surreal, like, but she, very she, funny She thing, wants actually. to go on a balloon ride, so they tie balloons to the urn and let it float up for a little bit before it yeah. floats away. Um, and there's a twist at the end of that one as well. And, yeah. and also it's a comedy, yeah. uh, for, despite all the grim things. Um, Evalu is uh, about a disappearance, and it's only through a lot of really abstract means that we get sort of the full idea of the story. It's told from the perspective of the sister uh 
who's remembering the sister that disappeared yeah. and remembering little clues as to what have might happen to her and some, uh, some suspicious members of her family. Based on the uh, comic book, by the way, in case you're curious. Uh, Les Pupules is about, uh, it's Madeline. It's, <laughs> it's, it's very Madeline. It's very Madeline. It's about a bunch of uh, little girls being raised in a convent in Italy uh, during uh, World War II. And um, the funny foibles they go through. It's very everyday. Yeah. Uh, what's going to happen with uh, when they listen to music? Like, why are they getting their mouths washed though, uh, with soap? It's all Who's very. Who's going to be able to yeah. eat this cake? Yeah, the like, cake is a big part of yeah, the movie. Yeah, very. It's funny though. It's good. Yeah, a yeah. night ride is about uh, a a woman who steals a bus. Yeah, encounters uh, a rather grievance public example of transphobia on the bus. Mm-hmm. Stands up for the victim, uh-huh. and that's that. It's a pretty uh, straightforward yeah. story. Pretty straightforward it's, story. It's kind but of it's... an odd setup, but the actual story itself is pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the red suitcase is about a young woman who has is uh, left Iran. Think in, so, yeah. In yeah. Uh, in a, to meet a, a husband that she's been arranged to marry. Yeah. For the first time, and she wants none of this and tries to escape at the airport and yeah. just to sneak onto a bus and kind of how a, the kind of a compact little thriller and, yeah. and how the uh, yeah the the husband is actually like a little bit scary yeah. and and what she does to sort of escape. Um, I would vote for the red suitcase. Mm. Uh, the more I think about that movie, the more I like it. The, yeah. the last shot is really awesome. Another one uh, of the and, best shots of the year. Yeah. Like that, that and Hall Out are just spectacular. Yeah. The, the, it's, it's, it's one. Uh, it's a special effect shot, but in a really subtle kind of a way. Yeah. Um, but there's no way the red suitcase is going to win. I think. Really? I think yeah. Le Pupil is just too delightful. It's too cute. It's it's really it's really cute, and mm. also it's complete. Um, this is okay. something we say about the live action shorts a lot. A lot of them feel like setup payoff. They feel like jokes. Mm-hmm. It's a little, little bit of setup, a little bit of payoff. And um, that can feel uh, a little bit trite. Yeah. And it's rare that uh, a filmmaker uses the short medium mm-hmm. to tell a complete story. You don't need more yeah. or less of I, it. And not, and not like one where like the middle is missing sometimes. That can yeah. also happen too. I, I agree. I think it often goes to a story that feels uh, complete. However, I would argue that there's a few films in this uh, uh, batch that do feel that way. Mm. I think an Irish goodbye feels pretty complete. I would actually even argue that the Red Suitcase feels pretty complete. I also would vote for the Red Suitcase. And I'm going to give the Academy a little bit of credit. I think it's going to win. Uh, oh, okay. I think it is. I think that last shot is just such a stunner. Uh, that and and everything up and towards it is just impeccably crafted. So I'm going to give them a little credit. I'm going to I'm going to okay. hope for the best. Uh, best animated mm. short film. Uh, mm. Whitney, why don't you walk us through? So hold on, let me find it. It's, it's right above live action. Oh, there it is. Um, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. Uh, the flying sailor. Ice merchants. My year of dicks. And an ostrich told me the world is fake, and I think I believe it. These are uh, very different shorts in a lot of yeah. ways. Very different styles. Very different stories. Um, it's not going to be the. It's not going to be the flying sailor. Um, no, it's a little because, abstract compared. Yeah, to the the flying sailor is based on a real, uh, real event in Halifax Harbor in Canada, where two ships collided. There was a gigantic explosion. A nearby sailor uh, was blasted away, like miles flew away. through the air and landed safely miles away. Um, and it's. Uh, an abstract version of that journey as he was flying through the air and was going through his head. It's great. Uh, It's just probably not going to win. Ice Merchants is this strange fantasy film about uh, uh, a father and a boy who live on a... uh, A sheer cliff A a house that's like attached to a sheer cliff and it's high up enough that they can collect water in a bin. It freezes. They chip it out. They skydive down to the the Mm. village below and they sell the ice. They get some food and they go back. And that's every day. Mm. It's, It's... a little surreal, but it's mm. really exquisitely crafted. Yeah, it's got I, a lot I, of I like the animation. I like the style yeah. on that one. I think it's a little too odd to get any votes. Maybe. Um, 
My Year of Dicks? My Year, uh, well, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse is one of my least favorite movies of the year. Yeah. It's uh, sentimental in the worst possible way. It's nothing but message. It's not subtlety or style. Also, the style is really kind of bland in that sort of uh, Mm. studio animation kind of a way. I hate it. Um, (laughs) My Year of Dicks is one of my favorite films of the year. It's it's, uh, a... a memoir of a 15-year-old girl, a, a woman was remember, remembering when she was 15 in the early 90s, about how she was uh, just determined to have sex for the first time. Mm. And the the boys she considered having sex with, and how each one was uh, kind of gross in their own way. Each one is its own story. It's yeah. a little episodic, but it's, yeah. it's really well told for the most part. Yeah, and, and the yeah. style is really great, and it's really kind of immediate, and it's really, really relatable. It's grown on me uh, over time. Like, I think better yeah. of it now than I did when we reviewed okay. it, even. I, I still um, take some issues with the ending, but whatever. Uh, that's and that's what I would vote for. I think an ostrich told me the world is fake uh, is the right kind of whimsy for the Academy. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a stop motion uh, Australian film. We said it was English when we reviewed it. The we, first were time. That. So yeah, we were wrong. It's, it's an Australian film. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's about a, a worker drone. And most of the film is shot. It's a stop motion animated film, mm-hmm. but we see it on the mon- the the photography monitor mm-hmm. on the on the set, set. and the behind movie. the monitor, out of focus in the background, we see. Uh, the actual motion of the animators moving really quickly as they animate the short. In in time-lapse photography, yeah. Yeah, so... uh, um, So we see the the really fast time-lapse version and the actual at its own pace. And uh, over the course of the film, the animated character begins to realize that he is an animated character, this Mm. kind of meta-narrative, and and he's Mm. told this by an ostrich. Um, It's really adorable. Uh, I I like that kind of meta narrative. It's Mm. it's the funniest, most delightful of the shorts. It's Mm. the most, uh, I guess, easy to get your head around, even though it's this kind of weird meta narrative. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what I think will win. I'm torn because I've heard a lot of people say that they think the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse will win. And you know what? Sometimes the Academy really lets you down. Because uh, I agree, I really think that movie, which is about a boy lost in like the woods in the middle of winter, and he befriends a mole and a fox and a horse, and they all say pithy things for half an hour. It's long, short. It's long, <laughs> short, and it's it's reassuring, but it, it it's reassuring for so long that it loses all of its genuineness, and I just start getting mad at it. I think it's I think it's a severe miscalculation on how to convey that narrative. Uh, so even though it's it's kind of attractive to look at, I think it's a very badly told film. However, it is so slick that I think it's sure going to get some votes. If I were voting, I'd vote for Ice Merchants. Oh, uh, I okay. really admire like the very distinct style, the very stark color scheme of it, the extreme sense of height and, and motion that comes from it. Um, I, I really do think it's exquisite. Uh, I'd be very happy if my Year of Dicks won. I'd be very happy if the Flying Sailor won, but it's not going to. Uh, but I agree. I think in the end, An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake is another one that feels kind of like a complete film. It mm-hmm. doesn't feel like a little sketch. Um, it's very polished. Uh, I think it's a. It's probably going to turn a lot of heads. Yeah. Uh, but these uh, shorts categories are notoriously hard to predict. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so because there isn't nearly as much buzz, people aren't talking about them so much. So it's hard to get a sense of where people stand with a lot of them. So this is our, based on what we know that they've uh, rewarded in the past, and based yeah. on our personal judgment with the films, this is just our best guess. So caveat yeah. tour there. Um, let's do best original score. All right, original score. Um, All Quiet on the Western Front, mm-hmm. uh, Babylon, Banshees of Inisherin, mm-hmm. Everything Everywhere All at Once, and The Fablemans. 
None the, of my favorite the, scores got nominated. The only one I remember is Babylon, uh-huh. so I'm voting for it for should and will. Um, okay, interesting choice. Uh, just uh, again, I think the variety is a big part of it. Mm. Um, Fableman's, it, I think, what just because it's John Williams, I suppose. It's, it's uh, well told. It's, you know, there's nothing wrong mm. with the score. Um, I, I, think... I like I like the themes that, and this is a bias of mine. Mm. I've always liked the scores that you can kind of hum, the ones yeah. you remember. Yeah, the ones uh, that make a point yeah, of and, and telling I've, the story rather than falling into the background. And and we could you know go on for a while about why film scores are a lot more uh, samey in the modern era than they were perhaps like 30 years ago. Uh, I know a lot of it has to do with uh, temp tracks. Mm-hmm. When you're editing a film, you put in music from other movies uh, as sort of a temporary to just let the editors know that there's going to be music there. Mm-hmm. And during that process, a lot of uh, filmmakers start to get used to that sound. So they ask their uh, actual composers mm-hmm. to recreate a sound like that, and now they all sound the same. That, that can happen, uh, yeah. That, that's as uh, good a reason as any why we don't have hummable tunes anymore. Mm-hmm. It's really rare that we get one. I, I think the Batman... Mm. One of the only scores I could hum from this last year should yeah. be in here, and it's I agree. not. I, uh, it's, none, two, it's two notes, but I can remember it. <laughs> none of none of my favorite scores from the year were nominated. Uh, RRR wasn't nominated. Hmm. Uh, Prey wasn't eligible, but I absolutely would have nominated. I think it was oh, a okay. fantastic score. Uh, nope wasn't nominated for anything somehow, which is bizarre. You think it would at least snuck into sound or visual effects. Um, I agree. I would have voted for the Batman as well. I'd have voted for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I really like that score. That was a good score, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, um, excuse me. Apologies. Benches and Sheeran, a little small. Everything, mm-hmm. everywhere, all at once. Um, maybe a little too wild for the Academy. It's a good score, uh, though. It's very varied. Yeah. It tells the story very, very well. I like yeah, it. A all, lot. all quiet on the Western Front. Too funereal. Too dour. Mm. I think Babylon is the fun one. Okay. So I, th- I think that's why it's going to get all the attention. It's what it's, it's the one I like the best it's of, a, of those five. You know, it's interesting. You said the Babylon is the one you remember. The only reason I remember Babylon is for a big montage in the middle of it where they literally just do the music from from La La Land again. Like, it's literally, it sounds just like it. Like I, there's, I, there's a lot of, like, jazz and upbeat music. But and very specifically music, but yeah. recycling things from La La Land. And maybe they were just being playful, but I found it rather mm. peevish. Uh, so I'm not a fan of that particular score. I'm not going to say I would have voted for that. It could win, but I don't think it will. Um, I think uh, The Banshees of Inishirin Mm-hmm. Uh, is a very, very fun score. I think it is. I think it stands out, and I think it's got a real shot. If I were voting, I think I'd vote for everything ever all at once. Okay. If you actually listen to those tracks like in a vacuum, like because sometimes you might not remember them from the movie, but then you hear the tracks and like, yeah, this is an unusual score mm-hmm. that really does amplify everything on the screen. Uh, and even though it doesn't call attention to itself, it probably should. It's weird in a lot of ways, and I really admire that. So I would have voted for that. I actually think All Quiet on the Western Front's going to win. Oh, okay. Um, I you called it funereal. It is. So is the Batman. Hmm. Uh, and uh, I would actually say I think that it's extreme, almost heavy metal, slowed down tones uh-huh. make such an impact that I think they stick with you. And I think it really does feel like the entire tone of the movie can be drummed up in only a few notes that were just used in exactly the right way with exactly the right instruments. Uh, so I'm I'm guessing that's going to win because it's nominated for a lot of things. I know they want to reward it something and I'm not giving it a lot else. Uh, but uh, mm. this is another pick though. 
it's actually a really tough year yeah, to predict a lot yeah. of these. Uh, best makeup and hairstyling. Uh, right. the, the nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, again, mm. a lot of gore effects. The Batman, uh, mostly for turning Colin Farrell into a completely different guy. You know, there are guys that look like that. I know. Just hire one of those guys. I know. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which has a lot of variety in its uh, mm. uh, makeup effects. Uh, Atlantis. Mm, aliens. aliens and, yeah. 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 Uh, let's see here. Uh, Elvis. Uh, which, in a different, in addition to a lot of subtle work on Austin Butler, mm. uh, mutated Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks yeah. into, into like the a Colonel, bizarre yeah. creation, uh, and then the whale, which made Brendan Fraser a fat guy. Which again, you, there are fat guys. They could have hired. A you fat could have guy. hired a fat guy and not mm. and not like just tried to get an Oscar nomination for when we actually do see him close up. Not a very realistic fat suit, actually. Mm. I wasn't impressed. Um, in, in, in terms of like. Um, on the whale, I feel like they did good work on like his hands, sure. yeah. like his hands and arms. I think was better than and, and, and on his face as well. I think the body is but there's not this, a realistic there's this, suit. But I, uh, I hesitate to call it the money shot, but there's this one. Wow, look at the makeup shot hmm. in it. And oh, it's, it's the nude shot. It's where the he's nude taking shot. Shower, and, yeah. and honestly, it's not a very convincing work if you ask me. I, oh. I, I don't buy the way that it actually. Uh, his body hangs off of him. Yeah, anyway. yeah. So I'm, I, it very well could win because I, I it's think, calling attention to its makeup. Yeah, that, and and that's why I think it will. I think okay. it's calling attention to the makeup. I think mm. um, that character's size is central to the way they told that story. Yeah. Uh, I I don't like the way they told that story. Yeah. I don't like the whale. What would you um, vote for? Uh, I would vote for Elvis. Um, mm. uh, because of uh, what they did to Austin Butler, uh, they, yeah. they they made him. Sort of like the the twenty twenties uh, teeny bopper idol version of Elvis Presley mm-hmm. in a way that you could understand uh, in a modern style. Yeah, why he was why, such a big why he had the impact. Yeah. I, I think if they made him look more like Elvis actually did, mm-hmm. the message would somehow be softened. Baz Luhrmann's um, really good at that. Yeah, he yeah, understands and, how to translate these things and, in the um, past so that they translate today. And uh, Tom Hanks. Uh, they put him in a fat suit as well. Yeah, but they also turned him into this weird kind of almost inhuman ghoul, yeah, like they, they, he's with this monster nose arm. Yeah, in a way that isn't making fun of him for being large either. Mm. He's just a, a larger than life person. Yeah, they they made they t- kind of turned him into a super villain, and, and, and I, think uh, I think it's I think it's well done. Yeah. Honestly, I really do. And um, and the, <laughs> the he's white scene. I oh know. god, it's, <laughs> it's really funny. It's hilarious. Uh, there's a lot of good nominees here. I'm not, again not a fan of the whale. I also happen to not think the makeup isn't very good. Those things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive uh or or necessarily mm. linked um i think the makeup in black panther is excellent uh i really like all the atlanteans in it. i think it's yeah, an impressive yeah. like size of a job i, I call them aliens yeah. uh, they're they're Atlant- mutated humans yeah. so they're not aliens. Um, all quiet on the western front is a lot of good gore effects a lot of mud mm. a lot of caked on mud uh it looks great yeah but i, I don't think it's gonna win um I think it comes down to the Batman or Elvis. I think there's a decent chance the Academy is going to be very impressed by just, oh, look what they did to Colin Farrell. It's very mm-hmm. convincing. Like, you would think that's just some other guy. Yeah. It's a little unnecessary, but it is very convincing and excellently done. Oh, and, and he's a good enough actor. Yeah. Like, he actually did he, the research on, like, the voice and he's stuff. An like, actor. He's, yeah. like I, I love him in that movie. Um, I, so I would actually vote for the Batman. Okay. However, I think Elvis is going to win. Okay. Uh, for the exact same reasons you just said. Mm. Uh, and I think people really, really like that movie. So I think mm. it's likely to get that uh, particular uh, nomination. Uh, let's do uh, let's do film editing. All right. The Best Picture nominees. The Real Five. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it was That's common wisdom for a long time that the film that won Best Editing would also win Best Picture. Uh, I think like 75% of the time it turns out to be true. It's pretty common, um, but it's not a guarantee. But yeah. Uh, the nominees. 
the Banshees of Inishirin, mm-hmm. Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I, I would love to vote for Tar. Mm-hmm. I think I love the pacing of that movie. Three hours long, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel. It's it. about two forty, but yeah, but it's, it's a really long movie, um, and it feels very. It, even though it's not like mm-hmm. full of like excitement, the way that like Top Gun is, yeah, it flows. It's yeah. such um, it's such exquisitely done. Yeah. I I think I would vote for everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. That is a film that relies on its editing to tell its story because yeah. it takes place in like multiple universes, sometimes simultaneously. Mm-hmm. You're going to need a, a certain kind of clarity, and I think it captured that. Yeah. Um, Top Gun is gonna win this mm. because that movie's slick as fuck. It really is, yeah. Um, and it's not nominated for cinematography, so yeah. It, it's it is one of the cleanest productions I've seen all year, even mm-hmm. including something like that's really impeccably designed, like Avatar. Yeah, no, Avatar uh, is sloppy compared to Top Gun. Yeah, Maverick and it's storytelling. Top Gun Maverick yeah. is it, it is watertight and. Yeah. Uh, that's what it's going to get recognized for. Yeah. That's that's why it's so enjoyable. I think the editing has everything to do with that. I, I'm between those two. I think Banshees of Inisherin is a well crafted movie, and the editing certainly disappears. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other movies tell their stories through editing. I think in a more interesting ways. Uh, Tar through its actual length mm-hmm. is uh, ha- gives itself the freedom to do more interesting things with editing. It's exquisite. I was tempted to be for that to be the thing I'd vote for. Um, Elvis is a Baz Luhrmann joint. It's big. It's sprawling. It's fast paced. There's a lot of editing in it. Uh, Well, there's the key. There's a lot of editing. A lot of. There's a lot of editing in Bohemian Rhapsody, which is one of the worst edited movies of the last ten years. I am dead serious. I have seen straight to video incompetent schlock that was edited better than Bohemian Rhapsody. And it won best pick, uh, won best editing. And I honestly think the reason it won best editing is because people realized that it's a miracle that movie was saved, <laughs> that it that movie was made coherent, yeah, rather than it's actually well edited. Uh, so I have mixed feelings about that. But um, when all is said and done, I think it goes down to Top Gun, Maverick, everything all at once. I'd be happy with either winning. Uh, I think everything over all at once is riding a bit of a wave. I think a lot of people really, really love it, and I think. It's really hard to deny how much of that movie comes together in the editing room. Yeah. Uh, and I think as as clean and slick as Top Gun is, uh, everything Everald wants is taking more editorial chances, and none of them fail. So I think it is both the most edited and the best edited of this lot, at the very okay. least. So I'm going to say will and should. All right. All right. Um, let's see here. Let's do cinematography. Cinematography. Um, All Quiet on the Western Front. Mm-hmm. Bardo, False Chron- Chronicle of a Handful of Trues. Mm-hmm. Only nomination for that film. Uh, Elvis, Empire of Light. Only nomination, only for, that nomination film. for that film. And Tar. Now, I have a caveat here. This is one of the categories. There's two categories. Uh-huh. Well, actually, that's not true. There, there's a couple of categories where I've seen fewer than the usual. Yeah, I, I did not see Empire of Light. I didn't see Empire of Light. But I've seen the Light. other four. I, did, I, see, I haven't seen Empire of Light, and I didn't see Bardo. Okay. So I'm not. I'm actually going to abstain from saying what should win. Okay. Because that's more than one caveat. One yeah, caveat, and, uh, I'll say like I didn't say one, but I'll speak to yeah, the rest. What, I'm what, not going to say what should win. Yeah. I what what will win is based on uh, factors other than whether or not we saw them. Strangely mm-hmm. enough, um, uh, I won't say something will win if I didn't yeah. see I, uh, it unless I'm going completely in the dark. I, I can't know? speak to Empire of Light. I know that was Roger mm-hmm. Deakins, mm-hmm. which uh, a lot of people, he's a very good photographer. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> however, no one's talking about that movie. I don't no, think it's got the publicity uh, or the popularity uh, wave. 
I was fond of the way Bardo was shot. There's a lot of oneers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of well, really it's in your ito, of course. Yeah, it's in, in your ito. Yeah. That's the sort of sort of his habit. A lot of really interesting uh, compositions. A lot of uh, interesting use of light. The film opens with a dream sequence where we sort of see a, a desert floor sort of speeding along, and the protagonist's shadow from his point of view below him as he sort of like dreams of flying. A lot of interesting shots like that sure. in Bardo. Um, but nobody's talking about Bardo. Yeah. It's one of those big impressive things that people are. Saying, eh, he's done that before. It's, yeah, it's weird. Again, I didn't see it, so I can't speak to its quality, but I always find it frustrating when people turn on a director for still doing the thing that you like. Yeah, it's like... What this is really that, interesting. That's on this, you, not them. Uh, this, yeah, uh, like this, a consistency to your work and having yeah, like and, re- recurring themes that create like a body of work that is interesting mm-hmm. is not something to disregard out of hand. It doesn't mean you always do it well. Yeah, but just disregarding it because you've seen something kind of like it is kind of shitty and kind of on you. And and I'd rather and I take something like Bardo in, in this recent wave we've had in the last yeah. couple of years of filmmakers telling stories of their own childhoods, yeah. Fablemans, Belfast. Licorice Pizza, yeah. uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, a lot of these movies are about specifically the, the filmmaker's childhood. I, I, um, Once Upon a Time is more about like the the place and the time than mm-hmm. it is about his life, but yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah I, I, yeah, I think it fits. Um, yeah. Uh, I like Bardo better than The Fablemans. Mm-hmm. It's more exciting to watch. There's a lot more sort of like political subterfuge. There's a critic speaking to uh, Inuritu, the Inuritu character, directly about why what he does self indulgently. So it's like the film's kind of criticizing on itself as well. Mm-hmm. I think the photography is really impressive in it. Uh, I'm, it's a pity that it's not being talked about more. Yeah. That's all my whole point. Um, I would vote for Tar. Those, Tar looks great. Those. Uh, clear like the even light in bourgeois spaces the light is bourgeois i don't know how to (laughs) how to describe that um in 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 tar like it's communicated through its photography and those sort of like rarefied areas that rich people enter are shot in a certain way particular film yeah yeah like every detail in tar is i I love tar it's my favorite film of the year it's great um i think all quiet on the western front is smart money though Um, really okay it's gonna just in terms of what's being talked about, in terms of uh, it's just how gorgeous a lot of those war images are. Uh, it just turns uh, war violence into something uh, exquisitely beautiful, yet still repellent. Yeah, and, and I think that's really a difficult thing to pull off. Yeah, I think it's a great looking movie. Yeah. Uh, I said I've only seen Elvis, uh, Tar, and All Quiet on the Western Front in this category. Um, I think Tar would be my vote as well. Uh, that being said, but again, I, that's not, that's just based on the three I've seen. I just think Tar looks fantastic. I can't, I wouldn't vote in this category. Mm-hmm. Um, I think All Quiet on the Western Front and Elvis are neck and neck here. And okay. I think Elvis, again, is riding a bit of a wave. And it would also be really, really cool because uh, if Mandy Walker won Best Cinematographer for Elvis, she'd be the first woman to ever win in this category. Oh, no kidding. Ever. Wow, okay. Stunning. And that's ridiculous, and that's long overdue. That's not the only reason, but it's actually a really good-looking movie. Uh, so I was torn on this, because I think I agree with everything you're saying about Elkwine and Western Front. It's a big, handsome epic. Mm-hmm. But I think Elvis has that era that a little bit more popular, even though Elkwine and Western Front does have a lot of nominations. Okay. So I'm torn on this. I really do think it's a pick em between the two. I'm going to pick Elvis. All right. I'm going to pick Elvis. I'm going to... I'm gonna. It's, 
Again, all of my favorite cinematography of the year wasn't nominated except for Tar. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> uh, there's so many amazing looking movies that came out this year. And, like, Decision to Leave uh, would have been a wonderful nomination. I would have been super stoked about that. Hell, I don't even like the movie. The Batman looks really cool. Yeah. Like, I, that would have been a neat nomination as well. Um, so, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, never going to happen. Nope should have been nominated. Nope is a yeah. great looking fucking movie. It's a great looking movie and it's yeah. about photography. You'd yeah. think that would get a little more, more traction. I'm surprised Nope didn't get any Oscar attention. Nothing. Not a single and, uh, thing. I understand uh I understand why Get Out did. I understand why uh, Us did not. Sure. Because uh, Us is is a, a sprawling mess of a movie. It's like I, 800 ideas I, that don't I fit I would have made an exception for Lupita Nyong'o's performance because she's stunning yeah. in that movie. But I agree the movie as much as I like it more than you do mm. is, is messier. Yeah. yeah. And uh, nope has just as many ideas, but they all lock together this time around. Yeah. There's actually like solid themes. It's talking about very particular things. And it feels like more of its own entity. As much as I love Get Out, it is like a kind of an updated version of the Stepford Wives. Yeah. I would argue it's better than the Stepford Wives, but it's still familiar. Mm. Nope feels like a new thing. Yeah. And it's perfectly crafted. I and, fucking and love that. And movie. it's about Hollywood. It's about yeah. filmmaking. It's about animal rights. It's did, about animal rights. How did you really, completely but... resist that? That's mm. amazing. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm voting for Elvis to win, but I, it could be that or all quiet, and I don't think anyone else has a chance. Um, okay, let's do while we're on the topic of uh, films that we uh, categories where we haven't seen everything. Mm. Uh, neither you nor I have seen most of the nominees in documentary or international film, yeah. so um, we're just going to go off of what we think will win based yeah, on what we've um, heard. Huge grain of salt with this one. This is just yeah, us making for, a guess for documentary feature. Read, read the mm. nominees. Uh, the nominees are All That Breathes. Uh, which is a documentary about people trying to save uh, birds. Mm. Uh, uh, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, which is about a big pharmaceutical scandal. Uh, Fire of Love, which is uh, sort of a sort of a nature documentary, but it's also about two volcanologists who studied volcanoes and took amazing photography of it. That's the one in this category I've seen. Uh, a House Made of Splinters, which is about uh, apparently a very shoddily crafted house. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know what that was about off the top of my head. I, I don't know either. I, I forget. I'll, I'll look it up in a second. Uh, and uh, Navalny, uh, which I hope I'm pronouncing that right, which is a documentary about uh, someone who spoke up against uh, the Russian government yeah, recently uh, Alexa, and was targeted uh, by it. Alexei Navalny. Was yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll look up... Uh, House Made of Splinters so we can give it uh, I've seen Fire of Love and I've seen All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Um, mm-hmm. I love All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Uh, and also that happens to be one of the ones that has the most buzz. Mm-hmm. That one and Fire of Love, the two I've seen were the ones that have the most buzz. House so. Made of Splinters is a documentary about children in an orphanage in Ukraine. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I love... Uh, all the Beauty and the Bloodshed. You said it's about a pharmaceutical scandal. It's about taking on uh, the the Sackler family. Who, yeah, uh, very lo- very directly responsible for the opioid crisis yeah. right right now. And yeah. it's about uh, one uh, uh, an important artist uh, who grew up in sort of the artist scene in like the queer artist scene in New York mm-hmm. in like the nineteen sixties, and it's just as much about that scene and uh, how she. Um, her experiences creating art and her experiences with addiction, uh, crashing in flop houses with Cookie Mueller, who was in John Waters movies. Yeah. Uh, all of that stuff cool. is, and you know, what the, what the queer scene was like in the 1960s and 1970s, uh, how difficult it was, and also how uh, how great it was to be part of these artists' communes. Uh, those parts are really, really beautiful. And mm-hmm. then it's staged through the lens of her modern work 
taking on the Sackler family and yeah. trying to have the Sacklers' names taken off of their museum wings mm. as a way, uh, because it seems like they were trying to kind of scrub their name a little bit by mm-hmm. associating it with high art. Well, they've also tried to scrub their name from like the legal record as well. They've taken right, some real right. sweetheart deals that probably should never have gone through. Yeah, Sorry, so. probably should never have gone through. Um, yeah, okay. So are uh, you saying that, I'll be the budget will win? Uh, I, yeah, and that's the that's the one I've heard the most about. Okay. So that's the one I think will win. All right, again, I've only seen Fire of Love. Fire of Love is wonderful, by the way. <laughs> Please see it. You're going to love it. It has the most gorgeous... Like spectacle photography, uh, not not of not like shots of people's glasses, but like oh my god, look at that! Like mm. I was more impressed with just the footage of lava flows in Fire of Love than I was with Avatar. That's how gorgeous this shit looks to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great. I love it. I I would be happy if it won, but I I've only seen that one. Uh, I've heard nothing but amazing things about Beauty and the Bloodshed. I've heard a lot of great things about Navalny and how. That might be so relevant that mm. it might get a little bit of a boost, but I've never heard of anyone seeing all the beauty in the bloodshed and going, that movie sucks. Uh, so I think it's probably got the edge, but this is just a guess. So um, that's what I'm guessing. To win, I have no idea what should. Uh, Whitney, read out the uh, nominees for Best International Feature. Uh, international Feature Film, we have All Quiet on the Western Front. Mm-hmm. We have Argentina, 1985. We have Close. Mm-hmm. We have EO donkey movie mm-hmm. and we have the quiet girl and i've only seen three of these okay and i've only seen one. Oh, okay i somehow i missed eo uh and i missed close on the quiet girl mm-hmm. and argentina 1985 i've never seen him yeah, i have uh, a screener for argentina and yeah. i just didn't get around to it and i yeah. wanted to see eo and my plans were uh were yeah. changed that evening when you give us a quick uh, rundown of those movies uh right. uh that you yeah I'll, I'll quote on the western front uh, we've been talking about yeah. Um, a World War One movie yeah. classic based Co- on a classic novel. Close is a movie about uh, two adolescent boys. They're about thirteen, mm. and uh, they've been uh, lifelong friends. They were friends when they were babies, and they have a very close relationship. Uh, they, there's a lot of touching. There's a lot of intimacy, uh, and uh, something incredibly tragic happens when that. Uh, their physical intimacy is uh, mentioned a little bit too often by their peers and and the, the adults yeah. in their lives. Like we're talking like just like being huggy, you know, like not, H- huggy, not, holding hands, yeah, leaning like, on like each other, a lot of or, a lot of, yeah, like a lot of physical thing, yeah. intimacy, and yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a wonderful treatise on uh, essentially the the evils of heteronormativity. Yeah, uh, are the characters queer? You, they could read that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the film is just as effective if you read them both as heterosexual yeah. and about how just the uh, pretenses of queerness uh, yeah. kind of break down the uh, break to everything down. It was about a donkey. Yeah. Just the life of donkey. Uh, yeah. It's a sequel to Hazard Balthazar. I don't know. Um, I didn't <laughs> they, see it. You didn't see that one. Uh, it's my understanding it is gorgeously uh, photographed and really well told, but it's a story of a, of a donkey. That's in a nutshell. Mm. Uh, the Quiet Girl, you actually just saw this. Yeah, and this is an Irish film about mm. a, a young girl who has a kind of a neglectful family. Her mom gets pregnant and she's sent off to live with some uh, foster parents mm. and it's sort of in a placid Irish countryside and how the foster parents are much better parents than her parents and how mm. she starts to be a less of the quiet girl mm. throughout the course of the movie. It feels like a children's literature in a lot of way, a, a book you might have read in, in the sixth grade. And then Argentina 1985 is a legal drama about uh, the case to prosecute uh, people involved in the intense amounts of corruption in Argentina uh, in 1985. Uh, this is a time when people would be like disappeared by the government on the regular. Uh, so, pretty uh, uh, 
Mm. Pretty heavy stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think the popular wisdom mm. is that All Quiet on the Western Front, since it has a ton of nominations, yeah, has the edge in this category, but that's no guarantee in this category. I remember when Pan's Labyrinth... Yeah, I was said, about to mention Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth was, it won a bunch of Academy Awards. Uh, it was nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards. But when it came time to Best International Feature, boom, The Lives of Others, which is a very good movie. I like The Lives of Others it's a lot. It's very, very yeah. good. Would I, have, would I have voted for it? No, I voted for Pan's Labyrinth. I think that's stronger work. But it's still excellent. So this is another category where it's really hard to predict. EO is one of those movies where everyone who's seen it loves it. Yeah, there was a lot, really lot, could, lot of top I think, ten lists at the end of the year. I would not be surprised if it won. I do think, however, that All Quiet on the Western Front uh, is the safe bet, and that's what I'm voting to win. Or that's sure. what I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing all, uh, all Quiet on the Western Front. Mm-hmm. I would vote for Close. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot in Close. This is the kind of movie that I think a lot of people should see, and mm-hmm. uh, especially younger people. I think yeah. it would be really good. All right, uh, uh, next up we'll do Best Original Song. Hmm. Now, I haven't seen one of the nominees here, but I have heard the song. Okay, I've, I've listened to all the songs. Okay, the nominees are Applause from a movie called Tell It Like a Woman, which is uh, uh, kind of a power ballad, yeah. you know, very, uh, uh, you know, listen to it in your car when you're having a bad hmm. day, like, yeah. Uh, Hold My Hand, which is basically like the love ballad from Top Gun Maverick from Lady Gaga. Uh, Lift Me Up from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which is uh, also very funereal. It is a, a sad song. It's about... The death of Chadwick Boseman, basically. Uh, Natu Natu, the uh, fun feel-good wedding song from the movie RRR. And This is a Life from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And this is the one category where I don't think Everywhere, Everywhere, All at Once has a chance. No. Because I've heard that song, and it's okay. My, but it does not, it doesn't hit. Especially I, I, not on its own. I have a beef with this category. Yeah. Because... They scour all of the songs that came out throughout the entire year, and they somehow zero in on the most boring songs every year, every single time. It's always the love ballad. It's always the really slow-moving yeah. song. It's the one that kind of melts into the background of of, of, of a movie and leaves no impression in the mind whatsoever. It's it's a, a marshmallow that was left on a stove. <laughs> If I were Lin-Manuel Miranda, mm. I would be furious at Disney for submitting the generic, the only generic song from Encanto. Oh. Instead of either of a- the a- great... Any of the... Any uh, other song probably would have won, but especially... We uh, don't talk about Bruno. Especially we don't talk about Bruno, but even if they'd uh, uh, done the song, I think it's Pressure. Under Pressure. Under yeah. Pressure, yeah. If they That one I think would have won too. Those are catchy songs, they speak to character... You could lift the song that they nominated for Encanto out of Encanto, and it would be a generic thing on the radio. Mm. Uh, so the, this is a competition to see what can be the most generic. Yeah, Lady Gaga has done so much better songs than this. Even mm. Oscar ballads. Her song mm. from uh, uh, Star is Born is great. Mm. It's a really great power ballad. It's totally awesome. Uh, the song from Tell It Like a Woman is... It's... it's fine. Look, it's um, fine. I, I, read an art- I read an article recently that said... Um, the Academy uh, has gone from being fond of Diane Warren to having a Diane Warren problem. Um, <laughs> she Di- finally won an honorary Academy Award. She's been nominated for Best Original Song She's tons of times. 14 nominations. Yeah. Sometimes for weird shit. Yeah. Like, you remember when the love theme from Con Air was nominated for Best Original Song? Okay. And that song is so, like, well played on the radio that most people would be shocked to know it was from Con Air. Yeah. If you cannot remember what the love theme from Con Air was, look it up. You have heard it, and you didn't know it was from Con Air, did you? It's <laughs> weird. Good song, though. Um, no, so uh, the nominees... Uh, so Applause is eh. 
this is a life. It's, I, I love David Byrne. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, hold my hand, generic. Lift me up, good, but and it certainly I feel it's very sincere, mm. but it doesn't really stand out. Whereas Natu Natu is a right, fucking banger. Yeah, it's it, it, it's the mo- it's the most fun one. It's it's fun. That's it's catchy. One. It's got a great. It's it's attached to a great moment in the film, and it's which really also, helps. I um, think. Also, RRR is not up for international feature or anything, uh, or anything. Uh, but it was very widely beloved. Yeah. It was very critically acclaimed. Yeah. It brought uh, Telugu cinema to the United States in a way that previous films hadn't yet. Yeah, a lot of Bollywood films have been hits, but mm-hmm. uh, Telugu cinema is a little bit of a, still of a novelty here in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think this is the chance to yeah. recognize. That. It's it's just the clear front runner. I think it will and should, and I'm I'm sure you agree. Um, okay, I think we're down to... Okay, let's do Best Animated Feature. Okay. The nominees are Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which is an important distinction because it is, not Robert Zemeckis's, it is not the Polly Shore movie. Uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, which is a bit of a controversial pick because a lot of it is actually live action, mm. in, uh, sort of combined with stop motion. Interesting choice. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Uh, the Sea Beast, which is probably the least well-known of anything on here, but it was a Netflix release mm. about uh, pirates who hunt giant sea monsters and how they find out that the giant sea monsters aren't all that bad. A little predictable, but well done. Like, it's a really well good done. movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I like The Sea Beast. Yeah, and then uh, the one Pixar film that was nominated, Turning Red, which is also excellent. Uh, Turning Red is... Uh, it's it's a lot more stylish than yeah. uh, than I, I hear a lot of critics talk about. They talk about yeah, sort of the, a lot of credit the, for, the, yeah. the relationships between the parents mm-hmm. and a parent and a child. Or, All of that stuff's or the, great. The, the setting because it's set in early two thousands uh, Toronto, I believe. Can- I somewhere, it's somewhere in Canada. Canada. I think it's, it's Toronto. Canadian. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Uh huh. There's uh, but the characters are all uh, sort of broadly stylized, mm. uh, where they get to sort of have those exaggerated animated faces and I like, yeah, I, I like that about it it's a good combination of having a lot of realism and like it's locales and it's like slice of life stuff but it's also really beautifully animated it's a great movie like, it's, it's very sweet this it's, is the kind of Pixar yeah. movie I would normally be like yeah let's that's actually one I'm, I'd be really happy to win mm. because often they kind of win by default uh, and, uh, it's, yeah. and sometimes it's like I remember like in a movie I even like but like when Brave won and we're like really? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not very fond of Brave. I, I like that movie um, fine, but it's hardly Pixar's best. But, yeah, yeah. but, but I do like Turning Red a lot. Um, yeah. I really love The Sea Beast. If, if you want to see uh, How to Train Your Dragon by way of Master and Commander... Uh, that's a great sell. That, that, that's a great elevator pitch. No, it's it's a really it's a, excellently done film. I really like that movie a lot. Yeah, the, the, the first like 30 or 40 minutes of that movie is like ship stuff. Very exhilarating. And yeah. there, there's like an adventure novel little boy inside of me that loves pirate you, you, ship you stuff. You get to see like how pirates would fight an yeah, undersea leviathan. Like, prepare, and it's really somebody yells prepare for broadside. It's like, oh, my favorite movie. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's not going to win, but I love that it's nominated. Uh, yeah, I, I hope more. Be- it's a Netflix film. It's on yeah. Netflix. Just, just catch that one. Um, uh, Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. I, I appreciate that. Um, f- for a long time, CG animation was way too smooth. Yeah, uh, I didn't like a lot of the way it was stylized. Everything was sort of in focus, especially with the sh- those Shrek movies. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, I, I find those Shrek movies to be a really prime example of 
the safest form of subversion. Mm-hmm. They're trying to like, we're going to do like a send up of Disney stuff, but it doesn't mm-hmm. feel edgy or dangerous at all. Like the first Shrek was at the very least noteworthy because a, it was doing it and B, mm-hmm. it did it pretty good. That first movie's at it's, least the screenplay is pretty it's, solid. It's all right. It's the screenplay right. is solid. It's got good moments. The, yeah. the character became way too overexposed. Agreed. I can't stand to look at those characters anymore. <laughs> I don't disagree. Uh, I don't disagree. Uh, but but uh, yeah, yeah. But Puss in Boots um, has been doing something that a lot of CG features have been doing, and that is uh, pulling frames and yeah. giving the animation a little bit more of a jerky, almost stop-motion style mm-hmm. uh, as a way of retaining clarity. Yeah. Uh, they're turning into shapes. They're not these sort of like puppets that you can't stretch anymore they're actually doing a lot with the style i feel like gendy tartakovsky really kind of kicked the door open with hotel transylvania i think that in terms of like animation style that film was pretty revolutionary in terms of cg Um, animation in terms of the making it more plastic i agree uh i think uh the style that we're talking about was really pioneered and popularized by spider-man into the spider-verse yeah, uh, which is and, and and weirdly enough, the Peanuts movie did it as agreed. well. Actually, yeah. that's a, that's an underrated movie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it quite gets the spirit of Peanuts, but it is very good. Um, I like the way that Puss in Boots: The Last Wish doesn't just do that style. I like the mm-hmm. way that they actually have that sort of conventional, smooth, familiar style, but they know when to jump into a new style. Mm-hmm. That is a daring move for an animated film to yeah. dramatically change. And it does it during the action sequences yeah. when it's the most needed. I, I, so, I'm not as big on that movie as a lot of other people are, but it is very well crafted as an animated movie yeah, in yeah. that regard. And that, so, yeah. There, there's, a, there's a scene at the beginning where Puss in Boots is a cat. Yeah. And is a, a cat-sized uh, fights like a 50-foot Leviathan. It's basically Grendel from Beowulf. Yeah, it's got like yeah. big antlers and swinging around like a, a church bell on a chain. It's like yeah. really weird, interesting visuals. That's a pretty cool sequence. That sequence is awesome. Yeah. In a vacuum, that sequence is amazing. Yeah. Um, I like it okay. Yeah. N- not my favorite. I know a yeah. lot of people are losing their minds yeah. over it. Um, I would vote for Marcel the Shell Shoes on because it made me cry. I think it's, because the, most, it's the most impactful for me. It, yeah. It's Marcel is such an interesting innocent sweet character it's such a unique character a unique, too. Like, a unique character distinct. but something about marcel to to evoke madeline again sure. feels like he's always always kind of been lurking in literature somewhere mm-hmm. like We're when i learned when him. i learned that it wasn't based on like a a, a 50 year old children's yeah. book like I, I was a little bit startled that it's actually an original composition yeah well so it's based on some web stuff but yeah well, yeah a web series but yeah it's, but it's, yeah, nothing, it's, it's not it's, old it's not a classic yeah, it's, it's, it's not 50 80 yeah. years old uh yeah. so that weird kind of timelessness of this character mm. and the emotional honesty of the character and, mm. and the performance of the character in animation yeah. uh, how how marcel uses uh honey and marmalade to sort of climb around the walls of the house where he so lives all, all, all of that stuff is just really fascinating to look at. And it's also just a very sweet, kind of melancholic movie. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Um, where is Mad God? Uh, <laughs> there's Phil, a, there's Phil a lot t- of good films that were nominated this yeah, year. Yeah, Phil Tippett made a, a film called Mad God. It's one of my favorites of the year. Made uh, it over the course of this, decades. Made it over the course of decades. It's like a feature-length tool video. It's all, yeah. all rust and meat and blood and gore. No yeah. dialogue. Uh, and it takes place in the post 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 apocalyptic world. I, it is beautifully off putting. I was nowhere near as enamored of it as, mm-hmm. uh, as you were, and yet that's a movie that is, I think, whether or not we all think it's good. Just mm. because you're good doesn't necessarily mean you're award worthy. Yeah, right. Mad God deserves an award for what it is. Yeah. I actually think that is a perfectly how, valid how, reading how, of that. How beautiful and striking it is. Uh, I think Apollo uh, Ten and a Half should have been nominated. That was yeah, one of my favorite movies yeah. of the year. It really stuck with me and really 
made an impact on me. Uh, I would have also nominated Inuo, the uh, anime film that most people didn't see, yeah. which is which sucks, but it's really great. Um, everyone is voting for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It's been winning all the awards. Mm-hmm. I I really thought going into the last like few weeks that, and I still think there's a chance that Puss in Boots might take it. Okay, and the reason why is because I've. In the past, it's been a while, but I've talked to people who vote for Academy Awards, and I've heard them say, I literally just vote for whatever one my kid liked best. Which is one of the reasons why films, animated films made for mature audiences don't have a lot of yeah, hope yeah. in this category. Um, they, they just, people have an idea of what animation is in terms of style and content. Mm. And it's a shame, but I think that's a guiding principle and it's unfortunate. Um Pinocchio might be a little too strange for some people's ideas what animation should be. Mm. If that's the case, Puss in Boots might take this. So uh, I, think, I, 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 if, I see your point. If there's um, a long shot, if there's a long shot, I'd vote for it would be this. However, it's such a safe bet. I'm gonna say Guillermo del Toro, yeah. Pinocchio will win it. I would also vote for Marcel the Shell of Shoes on it. Okay. Because it's very sweet, it's very inventive, and I actually think it comes together as a stronger piece overall. Guillermo del Toro's film has a lot of ideas. I don't necessarily think they come together very well. Yeah. I admire the effort, I admire the the ambition, but I have some issues with it. We discussed The the incorporation of Mussolini into the story, I think, is pretty novel, uh, but I feel like it doesn't push hard enough in that direction. Uh, it it starts out one thing, turns into that, and then turns away from that eventually. And it, it doesn't really... It wasn't very moving. I didn't find it very terribly yeah. emotional. Uh, I appreciate a, a that lot it's of... kind of bittersweet and melancholic towards mm-hmm. the end, but I also didn't really... It felt noncommittal yeah, in, its, yeah. in, its, in the way that it wanted to be uh, sort of not come together in a satisfying movie kind of way. Uh, but it felt like it... Yeah, it just didn't really do it for me. I'll still take it over Zemeckis Pinocchio. Oh, God, yes. No, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying yeah, it's Zeme- bad at all. Zemeckis Pinocchio was, is bad. That, that movie sucks. <laughs> I'm not saying Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is bad by any stretch, but there were other animated movies I was more impressed by. Yeah. Although it's a really impressive accomplishment. That's the kind of stop-motion animated movie. Like, if that had been nominated for Best Cinematography, mm-hmm. which... It, would have been a perfectly valid thing to do. Yeah. I would have been all for that. I sure, think it's a really yeah. good looking movie. So, anyway. Um, all right. I think are we only got acting, uh, directing, and picture left? Acting, directing, picture. That's what we got left. All right. Let's start with um, Best Supporting Actress. Supporting Actress. Uh, we got Angela Bassett for mm-hmm. Black Panther, Hong Chow in The Whale, Carrie Condon in The Banshees of Inishirin, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis for mm-hmm. Everything Everywhere, and Stephanie Hsu for Everything Everywhere. There is uh, a there's a kids in the hall sketch. Uh-huh. I remember where uh, it was basically just we're presenting the Academy Award for Best Actor, and it's a whole bunch of people in really really funny things. And then it was just Scott Thompson doing Hamlet. <laughs> and at the end, they said, and the winner is everyone except the Hamlet guy. Like it was a four way tie. That's how I feel about this category. Uh-huh. Like I, I actually think Hong Chao is fantastic in the Whale. I don't like that movie. I think she's great in it. Yeah, she's the only person here I would be surprised to see go up to that podium. Yeah, yeah. Everyone um, else, I think, has a genuine chance. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis has won a bunch. Yeah. And she's and she's uh, never and been nominated before, and she's mm. done great work her whole career. So there's and, that and, going And she for. plays such a weird character in this yeah. one, this kind of, like, dour uh, tax assessor. But because uh, there's multiverse stuff, we actually get to see different kind of emotional depth from her later on. Yeah. And it's cool. It's good work. It's good work. Um, I would vote for Stephanie Hsu. Same. Uh, because she's playing, multi- she's playing multiple roles as well. Yeah. Uh, everybody does in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and... She is able to, uh, when she's playing sort of the human daughter character, she gets to have really good moments with uh, Michelle Yeoh, who plays her mom. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, kind of display a very genuine, uh, down-to-earth teen awkwardness. Yeah. She's also a supervillain. And she's an amazing <laughs> supervillain who's a totally different character. Yeah. In a lot of ways. God, she's good. She's and, and fantastic. So, this is one of the best breakout yeah. roles I've seen for an actor in a while. Yeah, she, and she has that kind of... that that confidence the way she wears a lot of these wild costumes there's a scene where she beats cop to death with a dildo it's like and and yet doesn't and you believe it and you believe it it's completely convincing so i'd vote for stephanie Shue. i think I, she's i, I well. think she's really really wonderful um uh i know that um the academy lo- lo- loves them like an uprising star and i think uh, stephanie Shue will be back um mm. angela bassett's gonna win it's it's it's. Uh, I will say this. I think Carrie Condon has some juice okay. in terms of publicity. Um, sh- this is a category that, in a lot of different like precursors of the Academy Awards, has gone to different people, mm-hmm. including Carrie Condon. And I think this is one of those situations where, if Angela Bassett, who is very good in Wakanda Forever, but this is also, I think, in some respects, a legacy thing, where it's like, how have we not given her an Oscar yet? She's always amazing. <coughs> Excuse me. I think she's got the juice. I think uh, Jamie Lee Curtis might because she's also a bit of a legacy and the movie's riding a big wave. Mm. But if she splits the vote with, with Stephanie Hsu and if they all split the vote with Angela Bassett, it's entirely possible that Carrie Condon could walk away with this thing at the end. Okay. I don't think that... I, I'm not voting for it. I actually agree. I think Angela Bassett will win. But I wouldn't be shocked if Carrie Condon won. I wouldn't be shocked if Jamie Lee Curtis won. I wouldn't even be shocked if Stephanie Hsu won because she's just that good. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked, I would be shocked if Hong Chao won, isn't because she's not amazing in The Whale, she is, but just because the only thing people are talking about in The Whale is Brendan Fraser's performance. Yeah. So I still think she's the long shot. But I agree, I think it's Angela Bassett's to, to, it should be her night. Uh, However, if Jamie Lee Curtis wins it, it goes to a great performance. Honestly, they're all good. Carrie Condon made less of an impression on me, but she's also good. It's a good category, damn it. It's a really good year. (laughs) Uh, the yeah. nominees for Best Actor in a Supporting Role are Brendan Gleeson in The Banshees of Inishirin, Brian Tyree Henry in Causeway, mm-hmm. Judd Hirsch in The Fablemans, Barry Keoghan in The Banshees of Inishirin, and Kei Hui Kwan in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. A bit of a caveat, I never saw Causeway. Okay. Uh, which is a pity because I'd vote for Brian Tyree Henry. I hear he's amazing in it. He is, yeah. he is very, very good. Uh, Causeway, um, weirdly, isn't didn't get to it's one of those films that was released on like apple tv yeah and they uh, didn't and, give it the coda push yeah it yeah. was it wasn't really uh on anybody's radar so i'm kind of surprised it got any attention at all yeah uh jennifer lawrence plays a, a woman who's recovering from battlefield trauma hmm. uh both physically and emotionally and uh it lives with her small town and her mother isn't really sort of paying the right kind of attention and mm-hmm. she ends up befriending brian tyree henry a, a mechanic okay and it's about their friendship. Okay. Uh, is it going to be a romance? No, she's gay. Great. Uh, and he, he uh, acknowledges that, and it's about how they're kind of coming together in very subtle ways over their mutual trauma. It turns mm. out he has something uh, pretty dark happened to him in the past mm. that uh, he is feels like he's never going to live down. Yeah. The subtlety in their performances, both of them, yeah. is is really wonderful. We're we're getting a lot through things like uh like little looks. Mm. Uh I'm very fond of performances where we get a lot of communication 
with just through things like looks, yeah. through things like facial expressions. And I, you know what? I actually want to say this. Um, I'm sorry. Let, did you want to say one more cause? No, just uh, okay. I, I think yeah. he's really great. But uh, but because there's been no push, there's no way he's going to win. I'm no. glad he's nominated. Oh yeah, good for him uh, for being nominated. That's awesome. I, I was on that whole um, subtlety in mm. your performances. You know, a performance that wasn't nominated, everyone thought it would be. Mm. And it's from a movie I don't even particularly like very much, but I'm surprised it wasn't nominated, and I would have nominated it anyway. It's Paul Dano in The Fablements. Okay, I, think, yeah. I think he gives the best performance in that whole movie. Mm. Uh, except maybe David Lynch. Who's <laughs> fantastic okay. in his one scene, but Judd Hirsch <laughs> only has two scenes, so D- like it's not really... D- David Lynch is playing himself, so it's kind of fine. I know, I know, it's fine. Um, but uh, Judd Hirsch is nominated, he has one... Like, as a dinner scene, and a scene where he's walking from a car, walking to a car, and then he has one bravura scene with just the protagonist in a bedroom. I hate that scene. I, it's it's good acting, it's, though. It, it's, it's, it's a lot of acting. <laughs> it's, okay. it's just a, a big quantity of acting. The, yeah. the scene doesn't make any sense, and yeah, I'm not really sure what the messages are supposed that. to be there. I don't necessarily agree with yeah. that. I, I think it's a, it's a, a, the protagonist looking into his future at a version of himself in which he abandons his family for his art completely. Uh, no, I understand what's going on in the, the scene. scene but, uh, okay, it's just... Badly, I, I, badly I, presented, I, you not know well I, staged. I, I liked it uh, more than you did, right. but fair enough. I wouldn't have nominated. I wouldn't have voted for it anyway. I don't think I would have nominated it. Actually, I think it's a really good year for this category. Um, Barry Keegan's quite good, but he's another one where he'll be back. He'll, he'll be back. Yeah, he'll, um, uh, Brendan Gleeson. How has he not been nominated? He's amazing. I actually, if you want to see a great Brendan Gleeson performance uh, about uh, uh, intrigue in Ireland, see um, Calvary. That's okay. probably his greatest performance. He's fucking stunning in that movie. And he should have been nominated, and I think he should have won. Um, but uh, as cool as it is that he's nominated, I think in another year he might have had a better chance. Uh, it's Kehui it's Kwan. Kehui Kwan. A, he's great is, in the yeah. movie, and it's a really weird, interesting, varied, emotional performance. Uh-huh. But the Academy loves to reward people who have a story to their award, and the fact that he was a child actor. He was in the Goonies. He was in Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Doom. Of Temple of the Doom. Temple of Doom. And he had some small roles here and there afterwards, but his career died out. And a lot of part of that was because of child acting stuff. Part of that was because Hollywood is very racist and it's hard to get good roles if you're not white. Um, and in fact, even after he did everything everywhere all at once, until the movie came out for like a year, mm. he couldn't get an audition anywhere. Yeah, he still yeah. couldn't get work. Even after doing a, a big a movie that turned out to be one of the biggest movies ever. So, um, at least over the year. Um, so, he's going to win. And I would vote for him. Okay. Of this bench. There's a few other people. Maybe if they've been nominated, I consider voting for them. But they weren't nominated. This is Kate Kwan's year. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, uh, would you, they, and, but you would have voted for Brian Tyree Henry? I would, I would vote okay. for Brian Tyree Henry. Fair enough. I need to see that movie. Um, um, lead, lead actor, lead actress. What do you want to your do call. next? Uh, lead actor. Okay. Uh, Austin Butler for Elvis. Colin mm-hmm. Farrell for The Benjis of Inisherin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Uh, Paul Mescal for After Sun. Mm-hmm. Excellent movie. And Bill Nye for Living. And again, I haven't seen Living and I haven't seen After Sun. This is weird. Oh, that I gotta, a, gotta catch After for, Sun. For, it's so for, good. I, I, it's a weird that a category this big has more than like one person I've missed. Mm. Uh, I meant to get into that. It's been a long yeah. month. So uh, I'm yeah. not going to go with who I would vote for because I haven't seen two and it's, it's not fair. Right. Uh, but um, I've, I've this seen, is, this I, is a year that I think is very hard yeah. to predict in this category. Yeah. I, I have seen all of these. Okay. Um, 
given just sort of the Vegas odds, I'm pretty sure Brendan Fraser is going to win this. Mm. Uh, like I said, I hate the whale. Yeah. I, I don't like its screenplay. I don't mm. like the way it was filmed. I think there were some interesting ideas that they completely whiffed. Yeah. It's, it's a film that's about homophobia that doesn't know it's about homophobia. Yeah. It, it thinks it's about obesity. Uh, Brendan Fraser is such a likable fellow. He's such a beloved figure in Hollywood that I think the Academy is going to give it to him for being him. Mm. Uh, he, his performance is good. It's good. Uh, I, I think, think he, it's I as think great he, as it's giving people giving it credit no. for. I think the fact that he is just so likable yeah. in a movie that is daring you not to like him mm. is creating a contrast that feels like it has more nuance than it does. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's why he's going to win. Okay. It's, uh, it's, it's a safe bet. And, and, and I like Brendan Fraser too, so I'm not going to yeah. begrudge him an Oscar win, even though I hate the whale. Sure. Um, I would vote for Paul Mescal. Okay. Uh, just because, uh, like I said, I, I like the kinds of performances where a lot is communicated through subtle things. Uh, After Sun is a very naturalistic movie mm. about a, a daughter and her father who are on vacation at this resort. And she's wandering off and essentially discovering sexuality for the first time. She's like... Uh, mm about 12 years old and just sort of like switching on in terms of, uh, of maturing. She sees older kids and is intrigued by their, their physical relationships and, uh, and their romantic relationships and also her relationship with her father, mm-hmm. who is clearly very quietly suffering about something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, has some like strange habits. He likes to do Tai Chi and like read Tai Chi books. Yeah. Uh, and there's this, sadness that he's carrying around with him and i think a, we get to know a lot about this character through little incidental things he does yeah. rather than the speeches he gives and the communications and the big moments that mm-hmm. he has uh i'm really surprised it's not that he's nominated because uh, this is not the kind of performance that tends to get i, nominated. I remember when damien Bashir was nominated for a better life uh, mm-hmm. and everyone was like what? Because mm. he wasn't on anyone's radar. Yeah. Uh, he was considered a long shot at best. And his performance in that movie is uncanny. Yeah. Uh, sometimes a good performance just is just so good. Mm. It it slips through. Yeah. And yeah. that's great. I like it when that happens. Uh, this is a year... This is actually not the best year ever for the best acting category. Uh, because if you look at like all like the predictions, like who's likely to get it, it was pretty much these five guys and like two others. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty thin for the best uh, elite actor category. Um, I, again, I I do think this is mostly a pick'em. Bill Nye has a lot of support; people love that movie. Mm. Paul Mescal has that like cool indie thing, but I do think it's probably a three-way race between mm. Austin Butler. Everyone loves him in Elvis, and he's won a lot of awards for it. Mm. Uh, and, and you know, bi- biographical performances mm, get awarded, sure. um, and, he, and he's great in the movie. And he's I, think great, yeah. I think he's really good. A uh, Colin Farrell in the Banshees of Inisherin. I actually think. It's one of his best performances, and he's another actor who has never been nominated before. Mm. Everyone likes him. He's yeah. always good. Uh, and this is, a, again, I don't think the Banshees of Inisherin for all the support it's got, has got a chance mm. in most of these categories, maybe screenplay. Yeah. This is a good opportunity to reward that film as well. Mm. And then there's Brendan Fraser, who, again, it's a big story, but it's also a movie that a lot of people don't like. People love it. People mm. don't love it. I wouldn't be shocked if either three of them won. I'm going to pick... Austin Butler. Okay. I think it's going to be a, a, an award that some people are going to go, wow, really? But I do think he's riding a wave. Everyone really likes him, and they love their biographical stories, don't they? Mm. Uh, so that's what I think will win. Uh, of the three I've, I've seen, I prefer Colin Farrell. I think he's really excellent in that. Okay. Movie. 
All right, Best Actress. The nominees are Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Ever All at Once. Did you see To Leslie? I didn't. I, d- I tried to, and then it wasn't on VOD yeah. until like too late for me to watch it. Uh, so I didn't see yeah, too Leslie. Um, there's a little bit of controversy over this nomination mm-hmm. because um, Andrew Riseborough like emailed people personally saying, "Hey, can you vote for me?" And um, that, that was that, that's not quite what it was, but it was oh, yeah. people like like the director and the director's spouse or whatever were mm-hmm. like saying, "Hey, could you tweet about this, or would you mind like holding a screening at your house?" And uh, and that was considered like not kosher in terms of like it's marketing. It's definitely skirting the vibe because you're Mm. supposed to sort of just make people aware of the thing and then step back. Yeah. Um, And they said that the Academy said, and again, we might get the slight details of it wrong, but the Academy said we looked into it. Nothing was technically against the rules, but we're going to look at the rules because in this realm of like social media and changing the way word of mouth works, we might need to adjust the rules for next year. So there's that. Uh, I hear she's really good in it. I haven't seen it. I did see the other four. Mm. Uh, Everyone in this category is really, really good. Anna de Armas is very, very good in Blonde. A reprehensible motion picture. Um, I actually don't think she's good in Blonde. You don't think she's good in Blonde? I think she was misdirected. Um, I I think the the film is... um, I mean, the point of the film is is pretty reprehensible. Um, Turning um, Marilyn Monroe into this sort of martyr um, for the Hollywood system, and how that was seen as extreme sort of passion of Joan of Arc kind of way, not even like just it's sad what happened to her kind of way. I've I've heard some reviews from critics that I admire who actually appreciate that kind of. Christ's passion version of mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe's life, turning her into sort of this suffering holy figure. They thought that was interesting stylistically. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't. I think it's too unpleasant to really uh, absorb that as an aesthetic. I think when you look at even something like Mel Gibson's *The Passion of the Christ*, which is mm-hmm. a film that has many problems, um, you do get the impression that the filmmakers like Christ. I don't get that impression <laughs> from Blonde. I don't find the director having a lot of respect for her character at all, for the yeah, most part. I, I, think I, think, I think Anna de Armas has some scenes in this movie mm. where she gets to bring more dignity to it than is in the script or in the yeah, direction, and I admire her for that. Apart from a, a, um, like a few moments at the beginning where she's like about to... Uh, she's part of a thruple for a little bit. She has two mm. boyfriends, and... Um, yeah. And, like, she seems a little bit happy there, and that's the only moment where she's not just wailing in agony. Yeah. So I feel like uh, she has one note in that movie. Yeah. So, yeah, I think she was misdirected, and I think her her performance probably could have explored a little if she had a different director. I, I, I absolutely um, wouldn't have nominated yeah. her. That's that's what I'll say. Even though, again, um, I think she's fine in the movie. Michelle Williams. It's She's good, generally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think she's a very talented actress, but here I don't think she's playing. A, a, mm-hmm. Spielberg traps her in uh-huh. this weird sort of beatific space that's weirdly creepy uh, and uh-huh. doesn't let her rise out of Spielberg's vision of her. That, that's one of my problems with the movie is that you know we've talked a, long, a lot over the years about how a lot of Spielberg's movies... Uh, have what we sort of call daddy issues. Mm. You know, a lot of lot of uh, uh, absentee fathers or mm. uh, bad, central, bad dads, bad kids dads, in peril, very yeah. central to the narrative. And we've picked up on that so much over the years that it feels like he's got some unexplored issues with his father. And then he makes the Fablemans, and he realizes, oh, he also has a lot of unexplored issues with his mother. Well. And even in this movie where he's exploring them, he is not exploring them. <laughs> he is not allowed. 
to be as complete a character as, yeah, as all yeah. that. And it's very, so, very frustrating. So, so there's a lot of disconnected moments. Yeah. I, I think, feel like uh, she's, I think she's doing con- her best again, in, but in like in blonde and difficult material that mm. isn't really helping her out very much. Mm. Uh, but uh, the, the two front runners are Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh. They're both fantastic performances. Yeah. Um, they're both, uh, they're both fucking phenomenal. Yeah. I like Michelle. I mean, who doesn't like Michelle Yeoh? She, she's an international treasure. Uh, Kate Blanchett has a couple Oscars already. She does. I'd vote for her again. Yeah. God re- fucking damn it! Because Lydia Tarr, <laughs> really good character, yeah, is a, a fascinating intellect, uh-huh. an interesting character, mm-hmm. and kind of a super villain as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a sequence in the movie, and I just learned this today, mm. where uh, Lydia Tarr is lost in the woods. Mm-hmm. She's like going on a jog and she hears screaming. Oh, oh, you just heard about this. Okay. And you don't know if that's in her head. Uh You don't know who's screaming. We never learn who it is. Mm -hmm. And I learned today that that was audio from the Blair Witch Project. I know. I love that. That's (laughs) such a great bit of trivia. Heather Donahoe is the name of the actress from the Blair Witch Project. That was her voice. I love that. I love that. It's so funny to me. We're disappearing into her mind. We're seeing her from every perspective. And Kate Blanchett is uncannily doing both of those things at once. Yeah. God fucking damn it, I love that character. It's another incredibly particular character performance. She's larger than life because she is trying to be. Yeah. yeah. And that justifies... I've heard some people say, like, oh, she's just being big. No, she's not just being big. She's being big uh, very very, deliberately. She's being very small Mm. and hiding it in her bigness. And I think that's a really, really incredible performance. Mm. And if Michelle Yeoh wasn't nominated, I'd be voting for her. I think Michelle Yeoh will win. I do think there's a really decent chance Kate Blanchett takes it. Okay. I even think there's a small chance Andrea Riseborough takes it. All right. Uh, I, I would not. I would be surprised, but I wouldn't be like, oh my god. Like I would be like, oh my god, if Anna de Armas took it. Oh. I, I think the nomination is the reward in that case. I don't think she has a legitimate, like really legitimate shot. Um, but I think it's going to come down to Kate Blanchett or Michelle Yeoh, uh, and I think Michelle Yeoh should win it. I think it is an incredibly versatile performance, and I think it, it means more to me her performance than Kate Blanchett as incredible as Kate Blanchett's performance is Michelle Yeoh's performance I think has so much more depth and complexity in how she is transforming uh-huh. whereas Kate Blanchett it devolves and I think it's a it's a pretty you know pretty direct journey and there's nothing direct about everything ever all at once it's very yeah. uh, it's very scattered in a lot of ways and it's a difficult thing to to manage and maintain uh, so I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to say Michelle Yeoh will win. All right. And I think she should, but it really could go to Kate Blanchett. Right. I, I, I would vote for Kate Blanchett and I think she will. I think, yeah. you know, you think Kate Blanchett will win as well. I think she will. Yeah. Okay. Again, it's a real pick em. All right. Best director. Mm-hmm. The nominees are Martin McDonough for the Banshees of Inishirin, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for everything everywhere all at once. Steven Spielberg for the Fablemans, Todd Field for tar and Ruben Ostland for Triangle of Sadness, and there are only two of these people I would have nominated. <laughs> yeah, I would not have nominated Spielberg. No. Um, I would I would not have nominated Martin McDonough. I, um, yeah. I think Martin McDonough did a great job. I just think there's much mm. more interestingly directed movies this yeah. year. I, and I, Ruben I, Ostland, and I, normally I love him, but I just yeah, didn't do it for me. Did, did you see The Square? Ruben I, missed the, the square. I missed The Square. Right, yeah, the square I loved the square. Force Majeure. Force Majeure is excellent, yeah. I, and I love The Square as well. Okay. Um, I think The Square is a lot better a uh, film about sort of skewering class because mm. it's a little bit more 
has more sophisticated things to say. Yeah. That said, the vomit scene in Triangle Sadly, <laughs> the extended dinner sequence is is a I highlight of the year. I hope that's the clip that they use. It's just everybody, everybody puking. Just rolling around in their own vomit. I really hope that's the clip that they use. That'd yeah, be the toilets are overflowing. Yeah. And people are sliding around in their own yeah. poo. It's, yeah, it, it, it's terrific filmmaking. Yeah, I think it goes um, down to what Todd Field did in Tar and what mm-hmm. Daniels, that's how mm-hmm. they go, uh, did in Everything Around Once. And those are two very different jobs. Yeah. Um, two very different films. Uh, I, I, as I've I've made no uh, mm. no illusions about, I love Tar. I think Tar is one of the best mm. films of the year. I think Todd Field as uh, his attention to detail and his his screenplay, uh, Kate Blanchett's performance, just all of the elements come together to uh, construct this really meticulous world. And I, that's who I would have voted for mm. was Todd Field. Um, I think Daniels are going to take it. A lot of my favorite directors weren't nominated. Yeah, same. Um, I think most of the best films this year were directed by women or non-binary people. Yeah, and, um, none of them. And none of them got nominated. None. There were so many to choose from. It wasn't like there was just like one. There was like, seriously, you could have been, it could have been no men nominated for best director and you wouldn't have felt like anyone was like, oh, how did they get in there? You'd be like, wow, yeah, perfectly great. Yeah. Fucking astounding. Sarah Pauly, Gina Prince-Bythewood. Um, uh, how did you do this? Anyway, um, based on the nominations, uh, I love Todd Field's work in Tar. I would give it to Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. I think, again, they did something even weirder, and the fact that it is coherent mm. is impressive by itself. Yeah. But the fact that it has power See, um... is all the better. And I think they are going to win. However, I would not be shocked... If Spielberg gets it on a sentimental vote, well, that's, that's the one. It's the that's one, the goal of the Fablemans, isn't it? It's it is. the cynical part of my brain. No, yeah. I know. Like seriously, though, I think I think the Daniels have the major front runner. I think the only person who has he's the only one that one who has a story. Hmm. He's the only person who is like, well, if Spielberg, Spielberg wins. There's a story there, and I feel like there's there's something to that. Well, like, oh, he finally did something deeply personal, didn't he? Well, no, not deeply, but personal, sure. Hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, yeah we're um, on the same page there. I, I just looked up my uh, my mm. top ten films, mm, yeah. and yeah, and um, four of them were directed by men. Yeah, five of them were directed by women, and one was directed by a non-binary person. Yep. Uh, can can we not have any of the men? Now, um, <laughs> one of them was Phil Tippett, and yeah, I wouldn't have sure. been mad if Phil Tippett. Got, same with Linklater with Apollo Ten and a Half. Yeah. But where, where's Ninja Thyberg for pleasure? Yeah. Uh, where where's uh, the director of Happening? Yeah. Where where's the director of After Sun? Like these are great mm-hmm. movies, and just nobody's talking about them. No, it's absolutely driving me up the wall. Um, all right, and then uh, best picture. Mm-hmm. The best picture is a little different at the Academy Awards because it's not just a straight vote. You actually like rank them. Yeah. Uh, and the idea is that the movie that gets the most number one votes will win or if it's too close to something else they'll go by number two votes as well so that it's basically it's not just the film that gets the most votes it's the film that has the most support yeah which is why sometimes you get some interesting switches uh nowadays i think but the nominees well, are i all... think that's what happened with coda i think like a lot of people voted nobody voted for coda for number one but everyone voted for number two yeah so it ended up winning yeah that's how i feel um, it's probably the case but it's a good movie it's still wouldn't been my pick um i you know what I have no problems with Coda being it's good, Best Picture. It's a good movie. Yeah. It wouldn't be my vote for, but it's really good. Good yeah. for them. Um, all right. The nominees for Best Picture are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, 
Triangle of Sadness and Women Talking. Now, this is another one where, the, I seriously, I wouldn't be shocked if All Quiet on the Western Front won. Mm. I wouldn't be shocked if the Banshees of Inisherin won. I wouldn't be shocked if Elvis won. I wouldn't be shocked if everything all at once won. I wouldn't be shocked if... Hell, I wouldn't be shocked if Top Gun Maverick won. It's just an all-over-the-place kind of year. And mm. I really do think that this is anything but a sure thing. I I, I would be shocked. Uh, Triangle of Sadness, uh, yes. Women Talking, and... Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, are, 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 they're out. Yeah, I, I think Avatar is a, a long shot too. Actually, Avatar is a long shot, and I think Top Gun is also a long shot. It's mm-hmm. b- beloved, but the, you know, I think it's more are... likely than Avatar. But I think it's mm-hmm. as far as I'll go. Um, Top Gun is the one I have the biggest problem with. Yeah, it's it's, it's a slick, but it's b- big, rousing, yeah. slick action film. But it's mm-hmm. it's empty. Yeah, uh, it's just you know as, mm-hmm. as obnoxiously empty as the original. <laughs> uh, I think it's emptier actually. I, I think it mm-hmm. works, but I think it's very empty. Yeah, like it. Yeah. A lot of people flocked to it. It's like, this is the kind of blockbuster we want to see. Mm. Yeah. This kind of movie should just be natural, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I don't yeah. don't like that it got it's getting the attention it is. I want to, for this category, because mm. it's a ranked thing, we're, we're not going to rank all ten because that's ridiculous. I want you to give me your top three in top like, three. ascending right. order. Like, your number three, your number two, your number one. All right. What would your what would your number um, three uh, be? Of these three, uh, of these these picks here, yeah, what would your my three? number three would be Women Talking. Okay. Sarah Polly's film was really great. Uh, yeah. For those, like, 12 Angry Men reasons I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, no, fuck it, that's my number two. Okay, what's your number three? Uh, my number three would be... Oh, gosh. The thing is, a, a lot of these aren't my favorite movies. I know, it's hard. It's hard. Uh, yeah. I, I liked a lot of these movies. I don't think there's... there's only, you know, like, I, one I kind of don't yeah. like. I guess in terms of, like... In terms of, like, impressive cinema like yeah. technicals yeah. and i'm thinking to the future of cinema here mm. we're gonna talk about avatar okay that'll be my number three all right avatar is gonna be my number three right. uh in terms of like the technology invented and the mm. way uh cinema tends to start facing new directions when like certain mm. special effects are invented yeah i think avatar is actually moving the needle a little bit in that regard i think technologically yeah. yes technologically. but when i think back on it i liked it at the time and i would still probably enjoy it on a rewatch um but the, three months ago i have no feelings for it anymore okay <laughs> i enjoyed the experience of watching i think, yeah, I, think I think the last act is impeccably mm-hmm. crafted it's very exciting yeah but uh no i liked it better than the first yeah. i i feel like we're and i'm not even a star wars guy but when you read a lot of uh sort of writing about star wars it's yeah. all about the technicals a lot it's of all it. about the filmmaking it's all about the special effects <sighs> i think that's uh, a lot i think a, I, i've seen people talk more about the other stuff but a lot of it yeah, is yeah i i feel like Bill Moyers is played out. We we can move past <laughs> that now. We don't need right. to start do hero's anyway. journey shit with Star Wars anymore. Anyway, but, so um, your number three is, is, is Avatar. Avatar. My number two, two is Women Talking, and my number one is Tar. Fair enough. Uh, Tar Tar was my favorite film of the year. So, and what do you yeah. think will win? Uh, everything Everywhere is going to win. Okay. I, I I think it's at the top of most people's list, mm-hmm. and if it's not, it's number two. It's, I think the it's got way too it, much affection. Love and, yeah, it, yeah. and I think it's going to be a lot. Of not ones. not a dark horse. It's yeah. it's the the weird genre film yeah. that's just going to going to hit the like. Get the money. Again, I wouldn't be shocked if some of these other ones won. If I, my top three... Uh, this is going to sound weird, but my number three, honestly, is Elvis. All right. No, that's I, fine. That's I, fine. I, I, I really it. like that. I think Elvis is, is, for what it is, it's a biographical film, but it is also highly expressive. 
Mm-hmm. It isn't just reverent. I think it, it has an irreverence to the material that actually suits the material very, very well. And I think it conveys the story. There are things it cuts out that I don't think it should have. But for the most part, it's a handsome production. All the pieces in it work. It's a great Hollywood-type movie. I would say it's a better Hollywood-type movie than Top Gun is, even though that's a great mm-hmm. Hollywood-type movie. Uh, my number two is Star. All right. Uh, and my number one is Everything Ever All at Once. This All is right. my one of those rare years in which I think the actual front runner for Best Picture is the Best Picture nominated of the bunch. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's yeah. I like seeing some of my favorite movies actually get Best Picture nominees. Mm-hmm. It happens from time to time. I like The Hurt Locker. That sure. one. That one Best Picture. Yeah. Um, I, I, love, I like I Nomadland. I love Moonlight. No, I love, yeah, Moonlight. One mm-hmm. Best Picture. Spotlight. Hell, fuck it. It wouldn't mind my pick that year, but it's great. I don't know. I don't yeah. mind. You know. Uh, we get cynical about the Oscars, but they do nominate good movies from time to time. This, this and it's why, nice that Tar is getting so much Oscar attention. This is why we get invested. They get it right, or at the very least, they reward someone who really deserves an award just often enough. Right. That we're like, yeah, they got it right. It's like, it feels nice. It's like a Skinner box. Like, yeah, do it again. You're not doing it again. Damn it. Okay. Two categories down the line. Yay! <laughs> anyway, uh, we will... Uh, uh, we're going to publish our, uh, our picks... On our Twitter feed at Critic Acclaim, mm. uh, before the Oscars, probably do it Saturday. People, people, some time to listen to this episode. Uh, so if you want to look them up, they'll be all there. Uh, and uh, this is just a friendly wager. We're not gambling anything on it. We used to do things like specialty podcasts. We do not have the time for that stuff. We're just doing it for fun. But we will talk about on our the next episode of Critically Acclaimed, uh, the Academy Awards, what won, how we feel about it, all that stuff. Uh, and we'll discuss who was more accurate because uh, mm. we actually differed a lot this year. Oftentimes, it's only we we only have like a couple of categories where we suggest different things would win. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's it. Uh, the Academy Awards are Sunday. Uh, enjoy, have a good time, or don't watch them. That's perfectly <laughs> fine too. Ratings are down across the board for just for television. It's not it's not the Oscars' fault. <laughs> no one's watching live TV anymore unless it's sports. It's fine. Uh, but in any case, yeah, we'll be back with a, with a follow-up on this in a few days. We'll review some new movies as well. There's a new Scream out. Yay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, all good stuff. Uh, we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Whitney, what is our P.O. Box? Send us an actual piece of physical mail to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, at 90064. Yeah, uh, in case you want to talk about anything we discussed here. But, yeah, you might want to wait till after the Oscars. So we'll see how it all panned out. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you for subscribing. Head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. If you want to listen to episodes like this without any ads, or if you want a ton of exclusive podcasts about stuff like every best picture nominee in history, we have a whole podcast dedicated to that. We do every Star Trek episode in history. We do commentary tracks. We just released a commentary track for pity and pretty. Pe- not pe- petty petty and pink petty and pink it's everyone's <laughs> no, just very it. very very mean that they are in that movie actually no, there's a lot of are. mean characters yeah. no, no we're, pretty and pink uh, howard deutsch's film pretty and pink yeah. yeah um and and other things as well thank you to all of our patrons without you our show would not exist and uh we'll see you at the oscars not literally i want to go to the midnight show i'm sorry what